I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. And we're live. Hello, ladies and germs. My name is Phil Wolf. And tonight, Justin the Smitty Smith is late. He's late for once, and I was early. Glory be thy day. And as always, this is Snakes and Stogies, episode 155 on the Herpeticulture Network. My name is Phil Wolf, and tonight, we're joined by some very interesting guests, some special friends, and we're going to talk about some snake behavioral stuff, but we could not do this show without the fine people of the Pacific Northwest, the Gendra, the Puget Sound Pythons. They sponsor the show, they're friends, I mean, damn, they're family, I should say, and uh, we love them very much. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook, as well as your local Pacific Northwest reptile show, and blackboxcages.com if you need a rack if you need an enclosure if you need a pvc that is finely handcrafted sealed to perfection by legitimate herpetological artisans blackboxcages.com so now that we got that out of the way hi everybody howdy hello hello so tonight we're joined by Dr. Travis Wyman, and as always, the good doctor uh, had some wonderful thoughts and theories that him and I recently discussed on his recent journey to South Florida, to my to my neck of the woods. Um, oh, 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 we have a device connecting. What do we have here? There he is. I live. I'm here. There he is. Hello. Hello. We didn't do any late jokes. Okay, cool. I know some, somebody did. Somebody did. So <laughs> everyone laugh at Smitty. There we go. Yeah. 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 This is like the first time in 155 episodes you've been late. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it is. I mean, I stop counting when I'm late. You know, it's not a good episode if I'm late, or if I'm not late, I should say. Well, that doesn't mean that tonight's not going to be a good episode. You know what I mean. It will be a good episode. Anyway, so <clears throat> the good doctor and his lovely family recently visited my neck of the woods, and we got to go herping, which was fantastic. Um, before we dive into that, we're also joined by Nicole. And forgive me, Nicole, I forgot your last name. Don't hate me. Tam. Tam. Nicole Tam. It's very short. Very short. I like it. So... Smitty, before we dive in, is there anything you want to cover before like we get the ball rolling? You were late, and I kind of did an impromptu baptism by fire. Uh, this episode is brought to you by BlackBoxCages.com. We did no, we that, got that Okay, we did that already. Yeah, we, did, we can we, say it we again. Did ports, we, did, we did PSP. Okay. Um, we did BlackBoxCages.com. But we could do it again, because I actually you, I like it when Smitty does it better than me. Better than I. What are better you than me? I'm smoking 
another a cigarette in one hand a cigarette in one hand <laughs> um the true believer from veterans of tobacco you know those local guys by me that mm-hmm. davy florida it's a gun shop slash tobacco shop and uh they support veterans and the like and i was really pleased with it so i'm giving it another go what about yourself uh another blackbird so rogers had a really good like clearance sale on these because he's trying to clear out space for newer stuff so i've been buying buying these like crazy so Awesome. Same thing for the last like month that I've been smoking pretty much every Monday, but it's good. These man. unkinds are so damn good. We're gonna and we're both gonna have to come up with something different for next week. I got some uh some some of this here coffee from Cold Blooded Caffeine. Excellent, which is very delicious. I really like it a lot for real. I got uh, Mexican, Colombian, and then a Papua New Guinea, and I haven't had the Colombian yet. But the Papua New Guinea and this Mexican stuff is really good. Both of them separately are really good. Awesome. Very cool. And then, hello, Nicole. We've been friends on Facebook for a hot minute, but we don't haven't really talked much. So, Yes, that's all right. I'm just very under the radar most of the time. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to cover why your emoji is a tick or your bitmoji. It's or Kafka's, Frank oh it's metamorphosis Franz, it is franz kafka i didn't even yes. think of that you you, you should have recognized that, i know, you know i should it's late i've been I've talking heard of all that day. band <laughs> you know what's funny is it, metamorphosis is actually one of the first books i ever bought i actually bought it in in middle school and classmates were like what'd you buy because like everyone's reading goosebumps and stuff i was like Sick lincoln park this, <laughs> this is the, this is the metamorphosis from franz kafka and it it didn't go over well, you know, but then again, it's me in middle school. And anyway, I digress. So what's up, guys? Not a lot. Same old, same old. Recovering from driving to and from Florida. Oh, it's not that bad. You loved it. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, you, you get <laughs> that kind of highway hypnosis thing. Yeah. And it, it takes a while to, you know, get it's, out of the highway hypnosis thing. That's actually interesting that you bring that up because my cousin and I, we used to drive here to philly at least once twice a year whatever it was and he told me that their rumor is that there are certain hills on 95 in south carolina specifically that are not overpasses they don't cross a river or a creek or a road they're literally there to break up the monotony of the highway so that people don't like get sleepy smitty have you ever heard of that uh i haven't but i'm sure there's it wouldn't surprise me because you go through like Francis Marion and stuff. Um, there's really nothing out there. You know, I guess I don't, I can't think of anywhere in the state except maybe like on your way up to Columbia. I don't know. Nothing's ever seemed man-made like that to me that would serve that purpose. But yeah. Cause I mean, there's some pretty good Hills that you go up and down on your way to Columbia. What is it? 26. I have no idea. That one high, how was Highway 26 that goes from, from 17 that goes up to Charleston? And then, yeah, I don't go up to Columbia enough to know. Okay. Because I'm but also, yeah. usually Jake is also driving and I'm like playing on my phone or napping or something. So if we uh, okay. get lost or something, we're kind of screwed because I have no idea where we are, what we're doing. Well, that's no bueno. But yeah, I, I uh, we've driven 95 thousands of times and. There's like hills, right? Like highway hills randomly, you know, and then splits with big giant medians with 
oak trees in the middle and it's like why did they do that there's no reason to do that but then that kind of made sense that they wanted to break up the monotony but what do i know i'm they not could a civil just, engineer could just add another damn dollar general or something car wash car washes are the popular thing right now to build <sighs> car washes are a pain in the ass are so damn we're about to have like our 10th one in a five mile radius so yeah, we, we just had a new one put in near us, too. And it's like, there's already like four here. Why do we need a fifth one? That's such a weird concept to me. It is. <laughs> we have an infestation of Starbucks instead. One of them is a car spa. What is that? It's so basically it's just a the automatic car washes except it's bigger and then there's a bunch of like flashing lights and like colors and stuff and if you have epilepsy it's probably a really bad idea to go through it. Jeez. <laughs> that sounds so unnecessary. <laughs> the whole concept. I went through it once. It was I was like, okay, that's cool. Went on about my day. Ten dollars well spent. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I'd want to spend ten dollars to have an epileptic fit in my car. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> well, I think it's crazy that a car wash is ten dollars because by me it's probably like thirty. I just had to experience it. You don't pass by a car spawn not investigate. Uh I definitely <laughs> I don't investigate. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here here's the difference. <laughs> uh, strategically put next to a waffle house. So that's smart. Probably it's very smart. That's that's the south for you. Everything's next to a Waffle House. Southern hibachi, boy. <laughs> Dinner and a show. That's right. <laughs> hibachi, Friday night fights, the octagon. All I, I, I never understood the Waffle House. Smitty, didn't you and I go to your Waffle House for the wedding? I think so. We did. It was like two in the morning. It was glorious. Was it? Yeah, because I remember I got in really late on the first night. And I think you and I like went to and like we got Waffle House takeout. I think and brought. Did we bring it back oh, to your mom's? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something like that. I've anyway, what? I've only been over to the East Coast twice. Re- Where are you located? California. California. Oh, that's right. You said it was six p.m. by you. Yeah. Cray, cray. Yeah, yeah that's why I also said infestation of Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, naturally, naturally. You guys have Huddle House out there? What is that? It's a half ass Waffle House. It's no, debatable. Okay. So it's not it's not discount Huddle House now. Like it has its it has its merit. I will say this though. Greatest thing about the West Coast, period. In and out burger. Never been. It's it's okay. Oh, you you have no say you live there. <laughs> It's it's all right. It's all right. Look, I I used to go to Vegas once a year a, for business. It's a steady, reliable source of food, but it's not that great. <laughs> It'll I keep you alive. It's, it's fantastic. And to be honest, I heard they treat their employees really, really well in terms of like benefits and and pay and stuff. And I don't think I've ever been to an In and Out Burger where the staff wasn't like, "Hey, man, what's up? Welcome to welcome to the restaurant." Like Chick Fil A here. Uh, they're not that friendly by me. Nobody's friendly in Florida, Phil. It's Florida. That is I was going to say, everyone's like... miserable. <laughs> you, you, you remember how it was. We were driving. We were driving. Everybody we waved to, they just kind of shrugged at you. Yeah, but that didn't used to be like that, man. <laughs> it didn't used to be like that. It's a shame. 
That's a, a behavior that has been co-opted from Jersey and New York. And yeah, Billy Jenkins corrects it. South Florida. Very, very true. Billy Jenkins. Oh man. So going back to herping with her doctor, um, we had a blast. I had a blast. I had a great time. And, uh, and your eldest came with us and that was a lot of fun. I think she, I feel like she had some fun too. Yeah. Um, did you want to share any of the photos that you took or no? I can do that. Um, I threw them up in THN. Okay. If, you know, Justin wants to access them more easily there, he can just find my post there, or I can just shoot them all over to you via messenger if you'd prefer. Actually, I think I've already shot some of them to you, you by you, messenger. You did, yeah, you sent me the, the, I think the whole zip file, actually. So, Justin, do you mind uploading it so that StreamYard doesn't am, kick me out? I'm grabbing it, yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I I only sent Justin the ones for P and Cody's. Ah, uh, okay. But I can I can correct that real quick. Well, while you guys do that, I'll give a little a little uh, taste. So, Doctor Wyman expressed how he kind of wanted to find some pygmies, and I have my favorite pygmy spot which is actually where i've collected the ones that i've kept and and it's usually it's usually pretty good for at least finding one especially this time of year um march kind of kicks off pygmy season down by me unfortunately the area that we went to is lots of sugarcane and that area is being massively harvested so i figured we'd take a drive there and, and kind of scout around and you know show doc the cane fields and the big scary house that casey cannon loves and uh, we did not find a pygmy. So we decided to hit up one of the local uh, wildlife management areas. And we saw a ton of alligators. And I don't know if it's just this time of year or because the water levels were really low from the canal, uh, from the canal locks, you know, raising and lowering the levels. But it was Gator Central, man. Yeah, there were there were a lot of good ones. And Especially that one on the way. rock. Yes, and that's uh, that's on its way over right now. To me or to Smitty? To Smitty. Okay, perfect. The one <laughs> on the rock Smitty and work. the one that passed by the great blue heron. Oh yeah, and the and the shorebirds were were going crazy too, man. For sure. For show. For sure. For putting for it sure. on the, putting it on the show for show. For sure. For sure. But yeah, we uh, we saw some ribbon snakes and some Nerodia. Got a little sunset action. Yeah. Oh, look can at you, that. Can you? There we go. Nice picture. Look at that. Yeah, that's that's from Pia and Cody's. That's a uh, tundra. I think I'm remembering the name right. He's a big old brute. <laughs> I have yet to get down there and see their their new setups with with all this outside. It was it was really awesome. Um, I mean, that's I was like literally two feet away from that animal. Um, you know, if I had extended my lens a little further, it would have been on the other side of the fence and probably would have become gator food, which nah. is why I didn't get any closer to him. <laughs> They call them puppies of the swamp. Yeah. 
yeah, well, they're hungry puppies and you know, a little not a morning. Oh, look at those little teeth. <laughs> yeah. That was I believe that was the Orinoco croc that they had. Stupid cute. Yeah. And beautiful eyes cute. on that one, that jade eye. Oh yeah. By color. Oh yeah. man. Dude. Look at that. That's one of my favorite species they have there. You don't it's hard to beat that that blue and green. Maybe it's a chondro thing, but I like it. RFR. Yeah. Schleg. And that that's a very interesting animal. It's almost got a uh, a calicoed mottled appearance on it. It's those black mm -hmm. those black and green fleckings. That's awesome. Yeah, that was their. Uh, I think that's a Mujinai. Is that? It's, it has. In, it has Mujinai kind of. It's inside. I remember because I remember yeah. that that snake. It's a. It's a hefty. hefty yeah, one. it was. This is a big snake. <clears throat> Let me find the other one. Very ones. cool. How was the drive up to P and Cody's? Uh, the drive wasn't that bad. Um, we actually drove down there from Amelia. We had driven up to Amelia the evening before. Okay. Um, so like made, it, made a day trip of it? Yeah, made a day trip of it. Took both of the girls. Um, they had, you know, they were really excited about it. Um, youngest really enjoyed getting to play with the turtles and seeing all the alligators, we were uh, tossing some of the uh, the gators, some of the Missouri gator chow, which was a lot of fun. The uh, the more let's crocodiles, the smaller ones, we're just scooping that up, and then a couple of the babies, baby Nile, baby gators. Very cool. Here's a pterodactyl. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Florida, Florida ostrich. Oh, that picture came out great. It's an illusion. Nice. Oh, there he is. There he is on the rock. Yeah, he's... Old boy's just chilling, man. Just, who's better than him, right? <clears throat> and that was the one we ended up going back for because... Amber saw him, but then she saw something else that she's like, there's something shiny back there <laughs> to which Phil and I were both like, dear God, make my child not be the one who managed to peg a berm. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just it a four loco can floating in the canal. Damn it. No, it was, it was just another gator that happened to be in the, the light, just perfect enough to sh the shine off of his scale. But when we backed up and saw that guy on the rock, yeah, yeah. He, he was a great photo op. I was actually I was wondering like if when you went through all your photos, how great would it be if there was like a berm or like a big giant erodia in the shot, like hidden somewhere? I always I always look for those like unknown Easter eggs in wildlife photography. <laughs> Nerodia. Yeah. These were Phil's candids. I, I'm always driving and from the seat I, of the car. <laughs> yeah, I'm always driving and I'm like, you know what? Let me let me try and get some candid shots, you know. 
I mean, it's also when father and daughter out in the field doing doing the Lord's work and you forget to take pictures of yourself. You know what I mean? Because you're so fixated on nature and the animals. And I was like, you know what? Let me get some candid shots of them just to, you know, savor the memories. Phil's that dude in Africa that takes people on safari every day and he like sees a lion for the thousandth time. He's like, whatever, man. He's like, that's, I, that's not true. Eat the people I'm, I'm bringing to you. That's not true. Look, another Phil, damn giraffe. Phil's definitely as much into the crits as we are. <laughs> yeah, look at that sunset. That's an Erodia? That's an Erodia, yeah. Never gets old, man. We Dude. joke, but it never gets old. <clears throat> no, they were fun beasts. So the you want to dive into the whole like the main reason why I wanted to do this episode? Sure, we can do that. Is it that damn book that you continue to tease me with? Don't, don't. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, it's not that damn book. But you know, it'll 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 slightly go off of that damn book. Tell the um, people what the book is. It, it's the second One, edition of. We've only been Venomous waiting for Bites. for like three years from non-venomous snakes and yeah I, I i got the text alert that my credit card had been charged while i was in florida and i was like oh boy because nice I've, I've been looking forward to this one for quite a while and so far i've only been flipping through it and it's you know it's reinforced some of my beliefs for the snakes that i have it's made me rethink some of the snakes that i had considered getting in the future if there were ever the opportunity so, you know. Did you pre-order that straight from the publisher? Yeah, I pre-ordered straight from okay. Elsevier. It's, it's still on for pre-order on Amazon. Like, it hasn't even been released yet. So, I guess if you pre-ordered it through them, you got it quicker than, yeah, like, before public release. So. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, does that one come with, like, a digital version, too? It may have. Uh, I didn't actually check the email that came with the hey I don't know. Your, well, like, your book's so, on the way. So. <laughs> so the Mater's the Mater's vet book has like a little QR code on the inside cover that you scan and it basically says like here's a digital version of it. So when cuz like the Kindle version of that on Amazon is literally $100 and the hardcover option is 125 which is a bit ridiculous. Like I understand books ain't cheap to make and you got to pay the people to write them. But at the same time, I'm just going to fork over the extra 25, 30 bucks for the whole thing and try and read it on my phone. Yeah, that's 100% agree. That, that does seem a little bit, you know, off, but. I'm just glad it's people can get their hands on it now. Yeah, I actually, I never got the first one because I was waiting for the second one. So first one is one of my favorite books. Yeah, everyone speaks highly of it. it. It was a good book, and, you know, at the time, Schmitty was looking for some information out of it, so I just sent him my copy and was like, you know, don't sweat it. And then when the second one came back around, I was like, you know, I, I think I'm going to have to get the second edition, so. Yeah. But that good one's on like you. the second one, when you initially looked at the description, like it didn't sound like it was much of an expansion upon the first one, but then it looks oh, like yeah. that one's like a solid twice if not like a third bigger than the other one than the original yeah. one was it's it's a it's a monster it's, it's a legit textbook 
yeah, it's 750 pages long. Yeah, wasn't the first one was like 400 something, I think? Yeah. Four, four fifty. Awesome. Clearly, a lot's changed between now and I think the first edition was released in twenty seventeen. Yeah, well, I think they just managed to hunt down more reports and stuff. Plus, mm-hmm. there's been a lot more uh, phylogenetics and stuff. So, getting yeah. things sorted into more proper families and trees and things, and then allowing the breakdowns off things like that. Very like cool. It. Very cool. Um, but as as Phil said, the, 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 the sort of motivation behind this was when we were what on my way down, I was listening to some uh, some of the episodes that I had managed to not catch up on while at work, and Phil was talking about how he had picked up the tail end of his stilettos and was for lack of a better term, we're going to call it stung. You know, the animal used its tail, that sharpened tail, to stab him with it. And Phil recounted how it hurt a lot more than you would have anticipated that it might have, given it's just a snake tail. And the effect seemed to last for a while. Right. And that got me thinking. Um, so with the Rampiophis that myself and Nicole also keep... Um, uh, African very, beak snakes for yeah, those the beak snakes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, I I forget that not everybody likes to do the the scientific names for things. <laughs> Some of the more obscure stuff we gotta throw some bones, you know. Yeah, um, they have this rather unique behavior. The whole group that the the beak snakes fall under. So you got the beak snakes, the sand snakes, uh, malpalon, things like that. They have this bizarre little behavior called scale polishing or rubbing behavior where the animal will rub their body down all over their body. Um, and in some cases, if they're cohabbing, they will rub down the other snake that's in the cage with them. Um, and it's, there's a little gland that they have kind of between their eye and their nostril that they're using to rub along their body, polishing themselves. And, the behavior, while it's kind of unique to the Semophid group, um, those are not super distantly related to your stilettos. Um, right. So if you look on a phylogenetic tree, they're, I don't want to say they're super close, but they're a lot closer than you might think. Right. And it got me wondering if perhaps the stilettos are also doing sort of a scale polishing behavior. And just because venomous snakes also tend to excrete low levels of venom just as part of their nature, perhaps what's happening in that tail sting is that in polishing themselves, they have rubbed very trace amounts of the venom onto their body. And so when it stabs you with its tail, you're getting essentially a micro-envenomation, right. which would account for the increased pain factor plus the lingering factor because, you know, stiletto bites are known for just being ungodly painful. Right. And just and, to, to add to what the good doctor's saying, when we talk about a snake stabbing you with his tail, um, it's predominantly 
slender African species that do it, although other species from around the world have been known to do it. Um, and most of the African species, talking about the beak snakes, the sand snakes, even some of the cobra species from Africa, in fact, almost all the cobra species from Africa, the, the very last scale on the tip of the tail is super sharp and pointed, and they'll use it as a uh, defense mechanism or a distractionary me uh, mechanism. So if you were to pick a cobra up by the tail, per se, uh, it will begin to stab you with the tip of its tail in a hopes that you'll either let go from being stabbed and scared or as a distractionary measure so that you fixate on the tail while the business end of the snake, the head, can swing around and, and defend itself appropriately. So it's very common for a lot of these snakes to, to, to stick you and stab you with that tail spine. However, it, it honestly feels like someone's just lightly stabbing you with like a fork. Yeah, it's, it's not, annoying. It's not... It's annoying, and, 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 but it's very prevalent that that's what's happening. Only in this case with the stiletto, it was extremely precise. And I, I mentioned the podcast it, almost on like a neurological level where it was firing off independent nerves in my hand. And, and maybe my mind kind of got away from me. I don't know. But it was unlike any African or snake species that stabbed me in the hand before. I mean, cobras... Synopsis. I mean, you name it. I've, I've tailed a lot of stuff, and I've never had this happen. And after the good doctor explained about the polishing, it almost it almost makes sense. I mean, and granted, this is this is I don't want to say highly anecdotal, but what would you consider somewhat anecdotal? Well, the the polishing is very well documented, and um, Nicole was kind enough to share a video with me that I shot to Smitty. I don't know if he can access it. I um, just requested access. Don't mind the one on the Google Drive. Okay. I have the YouTube one pulled up. If yeah, I, I shot I shot a YouTube video which is a a Malpon doing it. Um but if you requested access, Nicole, can you provide him access? Yes, I can. Awesome. All right, I just got that notification. Let me see. So essentially, while they're doing that, the, the thought of the stiletto having parts per million envenomated me subcutaneously, if you will, is essentially trace elements of venom on the snake's body and whether All I right, touch the snake's body. Okay. Oh, nice. Oh, looks like it's up. No, that's the Malpon YouTube oh, that's the video Malpon? that I said. Okay. Yeah. Um, Even the you... Malpon Mos Pesulanus will have that sharp tail tip. Yeah. Yeah. Even though right. there are more like upwards towards across the Mediterranean. Well, Insignitus is in Africa and other parts near that place. And for those looking to Google it, this is often referred to as a Montpelier snake. Montpelier. Look at that. <clears throat> yeah, that's weird. So if, and if you're watching this later <laughs> or if you're watching it in currently real time, you can see that the snake, he's rubbing it's rubbing its body and they literally do go all the way down to the tip of their tail with it. So, you know, like I said, this document is very well, or this behavior is very well documented in the, uh, Samoides group. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And even across different species, they can have different patterns of how they rub those secretions on themselves. Like someone will move like an, up and down, up and down, sort of M wave. Others mm -hmm. would do like a weird P-shaped kind of movement. Um, so it it is 
admittedly, it is speculation on my part. And this is part of the reason I brought Nicole on because she's actually got a lot of, she's firsthand seen her animals doing it. Whereas I haven't seen my, my Restratus do, or my Rampiopus do it because they like to hide a lot. Especially <laughs> <laughs> right. one of yours keeps going into the background. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's found a way to slide behind the, the rock, the fake rock background. And he just lives back there and, you know, will pop his head out long enough to peek out at me. <laughs> okay, one day he won't be able to fit there anymore. <laughs> yeah, one day he'll get fat enough that he won't be able to fit there, but I'm not going to force him to be that fat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, since since the stilettos are not too far away from this the Sammy group, it just occurred to me that they may have a similar type of behavior. And so, like I said, it is speculation, but nobody, you know, has observed it probably because, you know, the stilettos are really, really big about being underground all the time <laughs> yeah. or at least undercover all the time. Right. Um, but the they do have, you know, a very similar head structure and facial structure. So it's probably not completely out of the blue to think that it might be right. a we, similar type behavior. And we were mentioning how the labial scales, they almost have this very large frontal, frontal labial scale that is very reminiscent of like a cleft lip, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and the doctor and I were talking about how the snakes that do this have that very similar lip scalation. And I actually just sent Smitty some pictures of the stiletto periscoping while in deep, deep shed. Um, and you can see those very large lip scales. And it just it just made sense in my mind that this is what could very well be happening. Yeah. And I just forwarded those to you, Nicole, so you can see them as well. Um so Justin just pulled up Nicole's video and you can see how the beak snake doing it again, they're, they rub that little eye gland, but then they tend to use their rostral s- scale as well to help move it around. And that was my, you know, again, my sort of speculation with how since the stiletto snake has a very similar facial structure in that same little sort of pitted rostral scale that they may be doing the same thing. Thanks for uh, sending over the pictures. And Yeah, Jason, I sent them over to you. Uh, Jason Keller just mentioned that his Senovsis crucifer, which I believe is the Egyptian false cobra, he's seen them doing that, that motion. No, the Egyptian false cobra is now under Maupolon to uh, Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. And, and they're documented for doing it as well. So yeah, yeah. Nice. they're part of this, this same larger... Uh, Samophene group. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so yeah. Stuff. It's okay. Yeah, and we were just we were talking in the car about the, the possibilities of you know a venomous snake inadvertently lacing its body with you know extremely minute levels of venom, you know, unknowingly lacing itself and it, it kind of makes sense. And I, I feel like I, I kind of want to go out on a limb on it, but at the same time, my, I'm also trying to be scientific in my mind. 
Look at that little phallic demon. <laughs> it does. I I didn't want to say it, but it didn't look like it. We were all thinking it. Yeah. It. <laughs> yep. Yep. Then then the video. We, we, we all thought it when we saw it. You know, th- and yeah. this is a snake that's going into blue and something. I I see the same thing with my uh, my calabars. When these really terrestrial snakes go into blue, they really go into blue and look just horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. Not many snakes look great while they're deep in blue. Right. No, but it really is very few snakes that look one. That especially that one in that pose is just yeah. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> That's crazy. But you can you can clearly see those those labial scales almost overlapping the lower mandible. It's a weird looking gargoyle. Yeah. Just yeah, I don't man, YouTube might take this down. <laughs> YouTube may may ban us <laughs> for this. <laughs> and we we were talking about how uh them doing this polishing is is very much cleaning themselves to a certain <laughs> extent, right? And how I've noticed with the stilettos, uh, especially when I notice them underneath the cork flats, they, they do spend more time under cork flats than they do in soil, like under the soil, actually subterranean. Um, and what I'll see is if it sheds on a Monday, it'll be gorgeous. It'll be a high, glossy, black polish, purple polish with the iridescence, like a rainbow boa. And then a day or two later, it'll be dirty because it'll have, you know, substrate dust and, and particles on it. And then a couple of days later, it looks gorgeous again, as if it had just shed and it hadn't. So it made me really wonder if they're doing the polishing and it just takes a few days for them to do their entire body. Maybe they do it in sections or what have you. And I try not to disturb them daily or, or if not every three days or so, because I want to leave the stress levels down to a minimum. But I, I really need to find out some way to do some kind of I don't know, like endoscopic camera that I can slide in underneath the cork flat or in the hide and just kind of watch them and just see if they're doing it. They actually make some now that you can get off Amazon that plug in your phone. I don't know how how legit they are or how good they work, but they were surprisingly cheap because I looked into that at one point to look in and like check on egg boxes and stuff without having to take them out and open them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think the hard part would just be to ha- like have some kind of micro DVR and just leave it on record for, you know, five days straight or something. So. Yeah. And, and the, really the behavior, I mean, there's no good answer for it because it's super understudied. Um, you know, so yeah, like self-cleaning has been speculated, but there's also some argument that it's like sort of just territoriality marking, but why they'd be marking themselves who knows? Um, it's probably because they, after they do that, I noticed they rub around their enclosure their a lot more and like some of their favorite spots, like around the basking. And they always leave smears like all over the glass and it's just annoying. And I've given up trying to have pristine glass doors <laughs> with that entire group. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to see like little nose trails everywhere. Um, and there's also some speculation that it may be like a, uh, a means of helping to reduce evaporation from their bodies. Um, so kind of like, um, I guess the comparison that I've heard is to the, the waxy monkey frogs from South America that do the same thing. They rub this coating on themselves 
And I guess there have been some liquid chromatography studies done that show that it is a, a fatty lipid type material. But again, nobody's done any, any real details on these guys needing to do it. So, but looking at the environments where they're all from, including the stilettos, I mean, they are from hotter, drier areas. So if their behavior is for that, it's still, you know, it makes sense why they would be doing it. And the polishing, the cleaning aspect is just kind of a secondary effect just because they're rubbing themselves down all the time. Now you had mentioned a particular gland that they have that they all share. Um, they all, they have a similar, uh, I guess it is a gland. Uh, they call it a, was a, a, a natrial valve or something? Do you remember off the top of your head, Nicole? Yeah, it's like a natrial valve. Um, let me check if I have a picture because I took some pictures either of my Montpelier snake's head or one of my beaks like close up and you can almost see like the hole next to the nostril. Let me yeah, quickly it, look it, around. It's between the eye and the nostril. Yeah. And, you know, I... I can't get close enough to my to mine to get a good picture of it because they <laughs> like to move so damn fast. <laughs> mine like to try and eat the camera, so I feel like we have the opposite problem. <laughs> All right. And it's somewhere in my files. I have some Germans. 140 page dissertation on <laughs> snakes that do this, but I can't remember if he actually has a picture of the gland. Well, while they're there somewhere, I mean, it's oh, interesting because sure. this is the first time I'm hearing about any of it. Like, I, yeah, I was flabbergasted, thing, but it makes sense. While, while Nicole's looking, I sent Smitty two more pictures of uh, the stiletto, and these were taken post shed a day after shed and you'll notice that the face is super pink and i was actually concerned it might be some kind of rub but then it, i kind of fizzled that idea out of my mind because the snake's designed to rub with its face like to dig through the underground world so i don't know if it was rubbed raw from shedding or if it's not even raw if it's just natural skin coloration and or maybe it has something to do with those glands I have no idea. Okay. Here. <clears throat> but you know what they remind me of? Those little, like, larval stages of the xenomorphs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That and Tremors. Like from Prometheus. All right. I'm sending across a screenshot from that that dissertation that shows uh, a diagrammatic example of it on the uh, on a Malpon. Nice. Smitty, can you zoom in on that photo on the face? Does no. it come would it come out blurry? I don't know. Let's see. Does it it doesn't get bigger. It just makes everything around it bigger. Are you using a mouse with a wheel? Yeah, but it's still not. 
Okay, I don't know if you could slide the wheel, roll the wheel if it would zoom in. It's not letting me. What I can do is never mind. Nothing. Save it and then open it in preview. Okay. Here we go. Yes. It may take me a while to find that picture. That's all right. We got time. If only I had a webcam, I could pull out my big guy because he's pretty good about that stuff. Uh, switch windows. This is asking a lot of my MacBook right now. <laughs> I mean, if you want me to try, if you want me to try and do it, I can do it. it just, no, I got it. It might crash. So. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, you can actually see the different colors. Man, that's actually that's way prettier than I thought it was. Super shiny. <laughs> yeah, right? And all those iridescents. You can see the two eyes. And What's the those... point of those eyes? Those eyes are useless. <laughs> we don't know that, man. We don't know that. The more to look at you with. I know, right? For all we know, they could be, you know, the greatest eyes on the planet. It can Look probably see about as much as I can when I don't have my glasses on, which is about six inches in front of my face. Ah, awesome. If that snake can see better than me, I'd be really sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's amazing how those giant head scales just bleed into tiny, tiny little scales. It almost reminds me of a scaphiophis, but with super beady eyes. Yes. Yes. It's it it's very scaphiophis like. Which is the scaphiophis? Uh it's the Peter Shovelnose snake. It's oh, basically yeah. Yeah. basically it's the African version of a uh hog nose crossed with a bull snake. Like imagine a hog nose, but instead of being turned up, their head is turned down. Yeah. And it's it's the size of a big bull snake. Oh wow. And that so equal to a mole snake size wise? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, look at that! It's almost like a a, a heat pit, almost. Yes. Very interesting. It's funny seeing their nostrils open and shut too. Yes. So now that 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 gland port or that gland opening is that also closable, like the nostril? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 excretes it out of the nostril, so the gland opens into the nasal cavity, ah, okay. so they can open and close their nostril to get it That's in and out. Awesome! Incredible! Yeah, that's wild. So where enlarged nasal gland? Part of the nasal gland is F. Okay. Huh. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, man. But that kind of stuff makes me wonder if there's more species that have stuff like that going on that maybe just never got looked at. Oh, I'm sure. 
Because it makes me think of the rhinos. Like the rhinos, if you look very closely, like at the end of each scale, there's two very small dots. And I don't. They're they. It's not like a like a pigment thing. Like they legit seem like some sort of sensory thing, but it's on like all the scales minus the scoots. Interesting. I didn't so, know that about the rhinos. Yeah, I don't know. I have to get some pictures of it, but it's really, really very odd. interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, snake behavior is a very understudied, underappreciated thing. I feel, and so these weird little behaviors that get noticed, um, you know the purpose behind them is just completely for lack of a better term arbitrary until people really get into the idea of trying to figure it out. Um, but then, yeah, how it applies out, you know, I've, I've gotten into arguments with people on forums say, you know, they're like, you know, snakes have scales, so they can't have glands. And it's the single most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because all they think of when they think is gl of gland is like a sweat gland and snakes <laughs> don't sweat, but it's like, you know, snakes have glands too. And they do a lot of things with their glands. And this would be one of those things that people, you know, like, you know, like Smitty said, it's, it's not something that people hear about because it tends to just be so bizarre and obscure and with species that aren't super well kept or super well understood. And, you know, but then you start thinking out about other things, you know, and then, yeah, you've got it on, you've got something similar on rhinos and maybe they're not using it for the same thing, but perhaps it's been just through evolution co-opted into a different direction. You know, maybe it's a sensory thing. Maybe, you know, we I know think it's that almost like a Lorenzini thing that you see in sharks. Mm-hmm. As much time as they spend in water, I think it's it's. Well, that's what I was gonna say. That. If maybe maybe with them, it's because they they spend so much time in the water that you know instead of you know where with the the African snakes where they're using it as a dehydration preventative because it's this waxy lipid coating that they use to coat themselves to keep moisture in. Maybe rhinos are using it for the opposite purpose. They're rubbing themselves down to you know, keep themselves from getting water blisters and stuff from being in the water so much. So it's more mm -hmm. of a repellent than it is a... Oh, here we go. I got the perfect picture. Let me see. Open window. It's blurry, but they're there. And it's... You can see them dot 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 dot, mm -hmm. dot 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 and like i said they don't look like they're they're a pigment like it's it's just a coloration thing like they legit seem like they they're actual dimpled they in have like something yeah 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 um it, we see that in dry mark on too a lot of the dry mark on they've just most of them just have like a single one on the end of all of their scales mm -hmm. that's just that's something i noticed with mine not long after getting them and I don't, I haven't heard anybody really discuss it. And I don't know if maybe it's something you just like on a, on the, the darker ones that I have, like, I don't think it's as noticeable, but because this male in particular is a much lighter green, maybe it pops a little more. I feel like it also could be mistaken for tipping. You know, yeah. And I mean, that's what I, so many that's what I kind of thought, but 
looking yeah. at them at closer inspection, it's just odd that they would be in the same position, like same placement on all the scales. Right. Well, and if, if you get really close in, like if you pulled out a micro or a magnifying glass on those, like I said, mm -hmm. they're going to be, they're going to be pitted. You'll see that they're like, they yeah, definitely concave. have like something in them. Yeah. I'll have to get, uh, I think I have a jeweler's loop laying around somewhere. I'll have to do that and see if I can get a picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there, there's a tool that every herper needs is a jeweler's loop. Agreed. I don't know if I still have mine or not. I had one when I had Crested's, but didn't find much of a use for it after that. And... Mm -hmm. Oh, Travis, oh. I found that picture of mm -hmm. my Mons Pesilanus head when he was smaller, but you can see like how his little nostril and gland is like. He has it shut. Yeah, I love these snakes. I will... I'll forward that over to you, Justin. Look at that little angel. Where are you forwarding it? I just forwarded it to the... Oh, I see it. I see it. Should just put all three of us in one <laughs> chat <laughs> rather than have me bouncing between two separate chats, but you know. Oh, look at that green. He's much greener and bluer now. That's when he was a bit smaller. That's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Let me see if I can bring this up in preview too and zoom in some. There we go. Do, now do, we do, all do, have do, a single do. group chat going. <laughs> Look at that eye. Yeah, the eyes on the Malpons are just incredible. But yeah, so just you can see his nostril, how it's, you know, cranked down. Mm -hmm. But then there's that little slit, too. Man, it's like the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> Thankfully, he's a lot less spicier than the other ones. Yeah. One of these days, I'll get a hold of one of these spicy bastards. <laughs> I keep asking you. I know, I know, but first I need room, and then I need more money. Yes, yes. <laughs> We all suffer from that problem. Just need people to buy up a whole bunch of my ball pythons, but the <laughs> ball python hobby is collapsing, and as much as people want to pretend that it's not. The but, pyramid's finally inverting. Well, the recession's just killing it. And, and that too. And that's, other just, that's just a fact of life, but people don't want to admit it because, you know, you got to keep trying to sell people on the idea that you too can be a breeder. Yeah. This sounds like those pyramid schemes from the high schoolers you don't want to hear from again knocking on your door. Mm-hmm. Join us. Join us. And you're like, no, go away. 
That's what I tell the Girl Scouts every time they're trying to come sell me cookies. So I'm like, I'm not. Okay, but you can at least eat the cookies. I'm not going to buy into your Ponzi scheme. It's not. Girl Scout cookies is not a Ponzi scheme. I, I want just... those thin mints. <laughs> yeah, right. They're running Tiny a monopoly. Ones. And no it one's is, doing anything about it. It is definitely a monopoly. Uh, but I, I do remember those. Hey, I'm going to have some people over this weekend. Why don't you come? And then you show up and there's like. 10 chairs in a circle and it's like what did i just you're like into? wait a second <laughs> <laughs> it's a so, supperware party yeah. right so, so this is non-alcoholic wine that i have to buy in order to sell this Why? doesn't seem right this is not the kind of hang up you signed up for yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so lisa says that her ridley eye have the dots on its tail and uh, they're colored but you can still see them that's interesting I feel like I've seen a paper on those dots on scales somewhere, and I foolishly didn't save it, but I know I've seen that somewhere. Yeah, There's see, always the problem is I save them. I can't remember where. Yeah. What I right? Is like, and then you open your folder through of like a thousand something PDFs, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, that's that's my. <laughs> I'm problem, never going to so find it. Like a thousand PDFs. <laughs> Yeah. I think of stuff that I want to look to see if there's been a paper written about it, and then I just completely forget. And then every time I remember, because I think of something else, I'm like, I'm going to do that later today, and then it just never happens. I feel that curse, <laughs> particularly. See, like, I open I open a Google window and I search, and then I send the go that Google search window to my email. So I have like five thousand emails <laughs> that are like you know whatever Oops. my search my search <laughs> terms were. So I just was looking at narrow gland. Just... <laughs> oh, What's sorry, that? I was just looking at a comment, and I was going to say it's not just ball pythons that are the MLM sort of schemes. No, it's it's all it's kinds like of almost things. every facet of the reptile hobby. Yeah, but ball, ball pythons are definitely the the One segment the that are offenders. feeling it the most right now. I would say. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure. but that's because there are like. 50,000 animals for sale right now, and I don't think any other segment of the hobby has quite that many. Yeah. Uh, close, I'm sure. I uh, I just looked up the, the narial glands in Macrolapse, the Natal black snake, because I, I have one of them, and I found a paper that talks about Angulolorus inserting directly infralabial glands and it mentions macrolapse but when i open it it's in spanish so i'm gonna have to do some translating later but now i'm gonna go down a horrible rabbit hole thanks a lot guys <laughs> this is fun though phil See, it, is is, fun. it is this fun this is the shit that i do all the time and i yeah. know yeah. Does your mind. Do. <laughs> Travis and i are usually like sending papers back and forth <laughs> nerd alert out yeah, oh, hardcore nerd. Bye. Uh, yeah, we have accepted the fact of life. We're nerds. Don't get revenge on me, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Rolling good. down the window, nerd. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Oh man. And if you want to, if you really want to hear a good nerd out, go find Dom's interview of Nicole. Oh, oh my God, you're pointing that <laughs> one out. Oh my no, that you're, was you're that was an that awesome episode. That was an absolutely awesome episode. I've listened to it like three times. And sometimes I feel bad because it just kind of got totally derailed and we barely talked about the reptile. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it became you know, like you're, almost you're 99% cool science stuff. And that's the thing about 
at least the segment of the hobby that you know this 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 snakes and stogies and the thn it's not all just about the reptiles like we nerd okay. out about stuff yeah okay, then let me say one sort of arthropod related thing since we're talking about the stilettos probably Absolutely. rubbing trace venom on their body so some centipedes um do secrete toxic compounds from their body because they have glands alongside them it's not just the millipedes so sometimes they will secrete toxic stuff including hydrogen cyanide that then dries onto their body and forms like this irritating substance so when you don't do this don't do this when they get eaten whatever eats them it like usually tries to spit them out because it's like poison right <laughs> i thought that that's was interesting because I, I was uh, I was in, inherited, I guess you'd call it. I was I was gifted a Chinese tiger leg at one point, and uh, forgive me for not remembering the exact species name, Scolopendra. But uh, everyone warned me, don't let it climb on you because yes. it has venom in the legs. <laughs> and watching that thing eat a prey item, it would rarely use mandibles. Rarely, it would just sit there and just grab one with its legs, and the prey would just die. And that was one of the scariest bugs I ever kept. <laughs> yeah, you know those like big things on the side of their head, those like mandible yeah. looking things. Those are actually right. modified legs that inject the venom into their really? prey. The force it pulls. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not actually their mandibles. They're just they're just modified legs. Yep. Kind of so like how scorpion basically... claws aren't really legs either. Yeah, they're 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 pedipalps that have a venom injecting device, right? No, they're not even pedipalps. It, yeah, they're, they're not, not even pedipalps. Oh wow! Yeah, they're Very just cool. legs. Yeah, they're just legs. <laughs> Wild. The hug of death. The hug of death. <laughs> ugh, ugh. But I will, I will say this though: that Chinese tiger leg was probably the coolest centipede I have ever had. They're very, very cool. But I would say yes, definitely the Asian species of the centipedes are a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, for cr- sure. Like high up there in terms of. Be really, really careful. Yeah. yeah, I don't do centipedes. I had one once, never again. I, I miss had. mine. I had a guy, I had a, one of the South American ones, Galapagoensis. Really oh, cool nice. guy, but really frightening. Oh yeah, how big? He knew they... how to climb up the snake hook. Oh, I feel like most of them do. That's crazy. Yeah. People <laughs> how big did like, you end up getting? Um, he was like a solid eight inches or so. Nice, nice. And you had one that was more of the like super rich dark cherry black yeah i think his um mine's was more orange red and i think he wasn't what they're called the true galapagoensis now i know the taxonomy has changed around a little bit right. but i haven't kept up with it all too much but at the time he was a color form of galapagoensis i nice. do want the gigantia that's the one with the dark red body you're thinking of and the almost yeah. white legs yeah yeah. Those guys are so pretty. I love them. Awesome. Awesome. And now I know there's a, a bunch of people that are finally captive breeding hardwood guys stateside. And I mean, they're going for big money. But one of my local bug guys to me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he was one of the, he was one of, if not the first person to have hardwood guy in the US. And he died. Uh, un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they never did an autopsy. Unexpectedly, Unexpectedly. right. And uh, it's believed that he got bit by Harbor Guy. 
and just he was a, a little, guy are little one old of man. The nastiest scolopendra out there. I remember yeah. when they first started getting big on the scene, and some people accused others of like sharpying their centipedes. And I'm like, you've got oh, yeah. nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he smuggled in the first batch because um, he went up getting like oh 30, 30 of them at once. I mean, like fresh from, uh, uh, I don't even know what locality well, somewhere in India. Is that all? Yeah, he 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 basically smuggled them in and gave them to a few friends. And I don't the stock that's out there now. I don't think that's his stock, simply because after he passed, a friend of his swooped in before the family could divvy up assets and basically just took all of his collection wow um, so i don't know whatever happened to those animals but it it's pretty much believed that that he got hit by hardwick eye and that's probably what wound up killing him i can believe it because i know some people who've written bit bite reports from hardwick eye they sound pretty nasty yeah and i mean he was probably in his mid to late 70s maybe 120 pounds he was a small little old man so it, it, it makes sense that if that mm-hmm. was it, it would have did some damage. Mm-hmm. They are not even nice to each other. The male has to envenomate the female slightly in order to get the deed done. Wow. That's, That's wild. It's a very centipede-like thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? kind of falls in the whole line. Yeah, I don't even know oh. what species I had with the one I had. I got it in a group of stuff, I think, from some dude off Craigslist on Hilton Head. And if you ever got a picture, I can look at it for you later. I don't think I, dude, I, I didn't take a picture of it. <laughs> you tried to forget it. about it. I, yep, because it was like anytime I, I went in that tank and moved the, you know, the bark or the hide or whatever, that thing would just take off, and it just gave me the willies. <laughs> old world tarantulas and drunkenness like scorpions and stuff like all day long no problem but for whatever reason if it has more than eight legs i ain't about it millipedes yeah. are kind of an exception because millipedes are, are cool those ones we saw in texas were awesome because they were everywhere but what about those people... house centipedes those guys are pretty cool i like those them. are awesome okay. I don't... we, they have, we have giant ones, ones in name. south america i want to see one one day yeah, we have uh we have blue centipedes and um it's I don't know if it's native or if it's a hybrid with the feather tails from Africa because we have those invasive by me as well. And it's they only get about the length of your thumb. It's a very, very small species, um, about cocktail straw thickness, but they're they're neon blue, like crazy neon blue. And, you gotta uh, send me a picture of that when you see them because yeah. we have a poppy or several populations of blue polymorpha here in california okay. they're very pretty too nice, sometimes nice. they're blue with like orange heads now do they get like normal polymorpha size or no yeah pretty normal. oh that's awesome yeah i had a um i had a polymorpha that somebody like got in a friend of a friend got in their luggage from arizona when they went on a trip to arizona and it was very um what's the word i'm looking for it was kind of hardwick eye in pattern but it was different shades of tans and browns and taupes with like Ooh. little black accents. It was super pretty. And I showed it to a bunch of people just to make sure it was a poly. But uh, but yeah, it's so crazy how different they are depending on range and, and yeah. locality. Super cool. I was flipping tin uh, like two weeks ago and I flipped 
It was a black and gold flat millipede. I'm looking right now. Like I had never seen one before. Oh, I love those. Those are pretty. I didn't. I didn't touch it because I was like, it looked pretty hardcore. I was like, I have no idea what you are. I know that you're one of two things. As long as you wash your hands afterwards and you don't eat yeah, it, we're going to be fine. <laughs> I didn't mess with it unless it was a don't Georgia. It. Might have been a Georgia flatback. I don't know. I'm scrolling. Don't lick it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. Try and stop me. Highly you, recommended not to. Yes. Those, those are very similar to the. Oh, I think they're the same ones that we have up here, uh, Virginiensis. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it was a have... leeches. I don't. We have the California version over here, but hydrogen cyanide gas producing. Crazy. That's why it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to collect them because you got to keep that container really well ventilated. And see, they say that about the Virginiensis, but I like I have handled them. I have had them in cups and things. I used to have one living in with my rubber boas. Never had a problem with them. I think yours are probably more chill than the ones here. Oh yeah, they're super chill. I mean, like I said, I I just pick they they don't even like ball up. I just you just pick them up and they'll just continue to crawl around on your hand like nothing's going on. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we know you're not going to eat us. I'm seeing someone saying centipedes are too fast. You just got to be faster. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to be faster. Jeez. Yeah, the big house centipedes when they get rolling, you know, they'll startle you. <laughs> mm -hmm. They so do I just... have that really unpredictable thrashing. Yes. So I just sent four photos to Smitty, well, to the group. And uh, I'm eager to know your take on the blue one because that was sold to me a long time ago as Chiliensis, a Chilean blue ring. And I don't know if that's the same species name anymore, but that that centipede there is is very much scolopendra size. But the ones that I have by me are that cocktail straw diameter, but that coloration. So from that's what I remember, right. the blue ring centipede that does look like one is the genus Estigmo eth. Where is it? Ethmostigmus, if I remember. Right. So that looks right. That that's the polymorpha. Yeah, the polymorpha is really cute. Classic polymorpha. Yeah. Classic. Hardwickii, and then the last one is oh, yeah. That's probably the nicest one though, out of all the ones you got. Yeah, that that's the trend. Maybe polymorpha, but I've had some really spicy polymorpha, and I had some really chill ones. Yeah, that uh, that Hardwickii was one of the ones from that smuggled shipment. And, uh, that deli cup. Yeah, I was gonna a, say that one is a really big one. Yeah, that uh, so that lid, that orange bottle cap, that's one of the large Gatorade bottle caps, like the large yeah, big Gatorades. I remember and how that, big those are. That deli cup is a twelve-inch in diameter deli cup. So yeah, that's, they do get big. Yeah. That's a whole lot of nope for me. <laughs> yeah, pass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can admire it, but. There's no way in hell I'd want that in my house. <laughs> no, look at their faces. They're really cute. They're charming. They're very good at cleaning themselves. Yeah, I'm sure. And they're, they're also like really creatures. good at, you know, taking my damn finger off. <laughs> <laughs> we did I have... Like, you just got to be faster. When I lived in Hawaii, there was some species that was that was there. I remember... Yes, that's an invasive kids, one. Yeah, neighborhood kids got 
they were we we were all barefoot pretty much the entire like two years we were there. I don't think I ever wore shoes, but a couple of the uh, my neighborhood buddies um, got hit by by them every now and then. Yeah, I think that one in that's invasive to Hawaii is subspinipus, and that's also a nasty attitude one. Yeah, they were they weren't small. They're I big. That. Yeah. <laughs> they're angry, and they're hungry. Yeah, I oh, had no, the. Uh... You're calling them nightmare fuel. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Jenkins. makes me so sad. But okay. <laughs> the uh, the only time I ever I never bred centipedes, <laughs> but I had a Malayan blue ring, which I think is is it still subspinous uh, subspinous? Um, subspinous, probably one of the color forms of it. Okay, and Does it have it, like an orange body with blue legs. Yes, and it looks like yes. it has banding. Yeah, that's one of the yep. subspinous. Unless okay. taxonomy got changed again. Yeah, but, but you, like, you you hit it right on the head. So that I had one of those that I didn't even think it was old enough to reproduce, but it oops. had an, an entire ball of eggs, and I wound up convincing it off of the eggs with food. And then I used hemostats to remove the egg cluster, and sadly to say, I disposed no. of those eggs. Yeah, no. Yeah. But you could have I had a ball of like baby project. centipedes. Yeah, yeah, they're really I, good no. mothers. I'm sure they are. Hmm. My lovely fiance is saying that when she was growing up in Greece, they would be all over the house. Oh, I'm sorry, Anna Maria. That sounds really horrible. <laughs> Yeah, her mom stepped on one once and had to go to the hospital and get a shot in her foot. Sad yeah, like face. I, I do like them, but I also acknowledge they can be bad for you. <laughs> yeah, especially that when you sounds inadvertently great. step on them, right? Yeah. I think invert taxonomy might be the only thing that really tops like reptile taxonomy in terms of the the mess that it is. Oh, I oh think my it's god! Don't, way get, worse. don't even get me started. Oh, no. Tarantulas Every, are one of the worst ones, and then tarantulas like this, are bad. Everything is that way. Everything god. is. There's that this way. one notorious guy who was in insect taxonomy. Thankfully, he's dead now, so he can't ruin anything else. But his name was Argamon, and he also had a bunch of other names he went by. He messed up so many things. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, we have the reptile version of that. Oh yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> they must be related. If Maybe you say his come. name three times, he'll appear. Oh, God, no. We're going to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How did we get on the topic of peds? Uh, because I, I successfully know. distracted you again. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. It's a good thing. It's all nice. good. Mind games about bugs, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh. We, we got on it because I was, I was telling everybody to go to listen to your episode with Dom. Oh, that's right. That's right. I know. You just kind of like opened the floodgate there. Well, I, like I said, this is, <laughs> this is a good thing because, you know, this, this hobby can very much enjoy lots of things other than just reptiles. That's very true. Because a wide cornucopia of flora and fauna. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Billy Jenkins back says to snakes. back to snakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so no, Billy, no. <laughs> Travis got that book, and I think I don't remember them mentioning beak snakes in it in terms of bite reports and things. He just showed me the picture today. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the picture; it's that. the description. Yeah, that you know, one they, is. Read it. They, they read talk. It. The victim was a 24-year-old male private collector. The bite was inflicted on the metacarpal left index finger. The snake was attached for approximately 20 seconds. 
The victim reported experiencing severe pain that developed within an hour of the bite and was described as more distressing than he had experienced after two previous crolatine envenomations, one a prairie rattlesnake and the other a sidewinder. So the beak snake bite hurt more than that of a rattlesnake bite. That tells me that these are not a species to fuck around with. They'll get you. And yeah, then, but see that that seems so bizarre compared to well, what I wonder I heard. if those previous bites had yeah. to do with that exacerbated reaction. Perhaps. Yeah. But also, like you hear so many people, like so Nicole and I are both in a a group for Samophene snakes, and Nerd. whenever anybody talks about getting bit by them, they're like, "Oh no, it, it's nothing. They're 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 barely they're barely." That's what they say about hog nose. I don't it think varies, that's significant, but. Yeah, it's also a lot of, I think, probably dry bites. But if yeah, your snakes and... get bold like mine, and they usually get really, really excited when they see me because they associate me a lot with food, you don't want to get nailed by them when they think yeah. you've got something to eat. That's true. That's and true. and I, I, I agree with the dry bite thing. I also think it's more, like you said, they get very excited and excitable. And I think they're kind of like king snakes and that they're very mouth oriented with exploring the world. Fight for so I think later. a lot of people, they get popped and it's a real quick pop and they don't actually bother envenomating because it's like, what is this? I bite it quick to find out. And if it then seems like food, that's when they're going to clamp down. Yeah. Like on, on very rare occasion, like this group of snakes, they're, they're super smart. And I've, very much leave an enrichment. So every once in a while, I'll throw like a live hopper or something in to give them that, you know, ability to chase and smell and hunt down. If you watch them hit a hopper and see how fast that hopper goes down once it's been bit, you'll really need to stop and think about, okay, maybe these things aren't as benign as we pretend that they are because like, you know, even like I've seen rattlesnakes bite a mouse and that's like, you know, sometimes a 30 to 60 second thing before the mouse drops. Mm-hmm. And I see, I see these beak snakes hit a hopper and it's down in 15 or 20 seconds. Wow. That's They're fast. Yeah. That's, that's potent. I remember my first, first time I ever saw beak snakes was, it was an episode where Irwin was in Africa somewhere, and I'm sure a lot of people remember it. But I've he, had, seen he, that was, one. he was holding one, and he was he was talking about how like nasty they were, and that it wasn't something you wanted to get bit by. But then I remember years later seeing people sort of keeping them and handling them, being like, "Well, wait a second, was it just that species that he was talking about?" Like, and then I don't know, like that that book, that first edition at least, like, will I know we've we've beat this drum a million times like it'll it'll really open your eyes to a lot of the rear fang stuff and you know the first thing i asked travis about that book was like does it mention thrasops because that's another one that at least was in vogue fairly recently in terms of imports and stuff and uh even the like one or two bite reports i read on that like that's still not something like they're not don't that far removed it. from boom slangs like no you don't really you, you want don't want to mess with dice like I, I don't like know. I I don't do it anymore, but I used to handle my beak snakes without my like rose thorn gloves, and they do kind of 
fool you into thinking they are pretty plastic because they're usually so disinclined to bite. However, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm not taking my chances anymore. <laughs> I yeah. know better now. Um, I don't remember who Dragon Layer is, but the these are the Ramphiopus. So uh, the Rufus have, Beaks. Yeah, the Rufus Beaks. I have both Oxyrhynchus and Rostratus. Uh, Nicole has Rostratus, and do you still have your Rubipunctatus? No, sadly, they both passed. They were pretty old. Sucks. I yeah, don't know anyone else. Who- I think Howard Redding's the only person I know who had any, and I haven't heard from Howard in a long time. Yeah, I was he just saying, like, have... I don't know anyone who's still breeding them. <laughs> I know Howard has them. But yeah, I know I know he's been trying, but like I said, I, Howard seems to have stepped away from social media, and so I don't know what he's been up mm. to. Um, as long as he's well, doing okay. Yeah, there I, was a... well, he seems like he's doing okay. I think he just you know stepped away because social media can be a shitstorm, and sometimes yeah, some of us agreed. just need to walk away. Agreed. There was a, a gentleman by me, um, and I can't remember for life of my for life of me what his name was, but he bred he bred reds, and I bought a pair of captive bred ones from him, and they were the most placid, chill colubrids I've ever played with. Dare I say? And they ate like champs, and then they both just died out of the blue. Just couldn't hmm. figure it out. Yeah. But I have lots of pictures of me being stupid with them. <laughs> yeah. I think the reds are more forgiving than, let's say, Oxyrhynchus. Oxyrhynchus, in yeah. my experience, were way more likely to just nip and test and try to chew yeah. things. But I know a guy who, the guy who gave Howard his reds, he used to breed them pretty consistently. And he's in Southern California somewhere. Yeah, every but, oxy that I ever worked with yeah. was very much the same as a Thrasops, very much the same as um, uh, Toxicodryas in the sense of what are you doing? Why are you in my enclosure? Why are yeah. you touching me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and mine are very dubious. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's my, my Rostratus is the more dubious one. Uh, my oxys, they. They will stand their ground and they will be very curious. Um, you know, you open the cage and they'll they'll hold themselves there for a little bit before they decide to back off and you know tuck away into their own little place. But if you try to like you know follow them or you know flip the piece of cork that they're hiding under or something, they'll they'll stand up to you. Um, and I've had both of them bluff charge me. Uh, wow, you know, my Rostratus you know, you open his cage and he comes popping out from behind the fake background and just eyeballs you. Squaring up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or if he's out, the first thing he'll do is like wherever he is, he'll just do that little periscope thing and he'll just kind of stare at you like, you know, the fuck are you looking at? (laughs) Sorry, he has a lot of attitude. Oh yeah, he does. (laughs) He got it from his mom. (laughs) he's, He's a great little snake, but you know. And yeah, I, I I don't I don't really hold yeah I've got I've like I've got the some of those like cut proof gloves for when you're you know working in the kitchen mm-hmm. and if I if I have to go in you know for anything where I'm going to be poking around and I might need to be anywhere near them I'll put those on just to avoid the accidental nip um, mm-hmm. you know and I I'll hook them when I'm needing to move them out you know and I might you know, get their tail with my ha- my free hand 
and hook them and they won't tend to flip around but if they go man they can move and they can or they can do that spring back on themselves thing really easy yeah like the steve Irwin episode i've had my restratus and my rubros do that tail lasso thing where they hook me instead and also like spring back and square me back up in the face and i'm like yeah don't don't do that right now yeah a little adorable bastard they're very cute, aren't they? Oh yeah, they're 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 awesome. Little, but yeah, you know. don't underestimate. But yeah, no, they will. Yeah, this is when they, uh, when they get in a mood. They get in a mood. Yeah, yeah we'll, and we'll they give stay the dis- in that mood. <laughs> we'll give the disclaimer that these were not during feeding times. This was, you know, made sure the snake knew that there was no food going on. This is strictly, you know, don't just go grabbing them out of the cage. FYI. <laughs> um. I will also caveat in on, I think this is another species that most people who keep them actually keep them. Like you hear that we keep our animals too hot. I don't think right. that's the case with most Ramphiophis. I think most people keep this whole group on a little bit too much on the cool side. Way too cold. Um, these, these guys like it warm, you know, interesting. The, they, when they get cool, they get stupidly lethargic. And I think that's why a lot of people are also able to handle them with a little bit less caution because, you know, they're, they're only keeping them like, you know, mid eighties tops. And that's, and that's, that literally... that's, and that's like the cool time for them. They, I don't want to say that these, these guys would do great if kept like monitors but a hundred degree hotspot for these guys, they will literally just sit under that for hours because they love to be warm. Um, they love to sunbathe. Yeah, and they're super active hunters, and that's why they need they need to be energized so they can go. Also known yeah, as chasing wild. us around the cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the guy that I got those from told me like, oh yeah, eighty two ambience fine, and they eat. You know, they're eating pinkies, blah, blah, blah. And, and they ate pinkies and they digested everything fine. But I kept them at 82, which is what the ambient room was at back then. And uh, that's probably what did it for them. Yeah, sadly. 80, 82 yeah. would be like the cool side for them. The sad part okay. is that they're also um, pretty good at hiding diseases. I found that even more so compared to some of my other snakes. And once they get sick, it's really hard to give them medication if you have to do it orally because mm-hmm. of their rear fangs and the way their mouth is shaped. Yeah. So you're saying they that got it, that it, downturn face. You're saying that giving them an oral medication is difficult because of a risk to the handler or just uh, to the snake. It, you don't want to, to break. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to break their rear fangs. Well, kind of the rule for all rear fangs, honestly. But also just the right. way their mouth scoops just makes that risk like even higher. Yeah. And that's why sometimes um, when they get mouth abscesses, I guess either from super rough handling during capture, import, whatever, broken fangs can lead to a systemic infection, which then usually can kill them off. Because right. when they usually show those signs, they're already kind of on death's door. I hate it. <laughs> I saw a lot of Samnophis imported within the last year or so. And they are really pretty snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they are. Nipper Nipper had some, I thought, or still does. Yeah, and dude, Kellers are Kellers are gorgeous, man. Keller and dude, Keller's got them set up like awesome and like going through the sand and uh super cool species. Yeah, I 
I I kind of envy Keller. I I want to get I want to get some of those Egyptian falsies. But nah, I, they're overrated. <laughs> yeah, but they're also smaller than the Montpelliers, and I have a cage that I had a cage that I could have fit. But <laughs> Montpelier are like much cooler, in my opinion. I and and I don't deny that, but they <laughs> need like an eight foot cage, which I don't have right now. They don't grow that fast. I'm just saying. Well, th maybe they don't grow that fast, but they're that active. <laughs> okay, That's I can't true. deny that. My guy, my big guy's in a six by two by two. Wow, it's great. That's great. I love talking about these obscure species that we don't that don't get enough exposure. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, don't don't go out and buy them, people. I want them to stay weird and obscure. A lot of them are also wild caught unless you want to export from Europe, which is going to cost a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think beak snakes had a sort of a spike in in popularity you know a handful of years ago and it definitely seems like there's not as many people doing much with them as there was that's because usually imports come from really rough shape and once people go through that yeah like yeah. shock period of like oh god they're just dying and like yeah it's awful and then yeah. they just kind of move on and they're almost all oxyrhynchus now um yeah whoever's selling them as rubicontactus whatever they're just lying to you yeah they're they're i mean you can't you frustrates me so much <laughs> anymore now and that's that's a real problem is a lot of people sell these oc baby oxys as rubras because they look kind of similar unless you well, know don't. what to look for if <laughs> you, unless you know what to look for i mean okay you know, that's little true. brown to spotted me, like, with obvious, like oh, that's not you know? even close yeah and, but, and that's that's kind of why i you know, I always talk to Matt most about how bo both of us want pseudapsis and or uh, mole snakes, excuse me. And they used to be like 200 bucks and you could get the really, really pretty babies brought in from South Africa that were probably wild caught for like 200 bucks. Now uh, you can only get adults. They're only captive bred in Europe and they're $1,500 a piece. And it's because no one keeps them. And you yeah, don't know what you got until it's gone, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Still like a million them. other things. And I am lucky enough to have a nice she's right now very red orange. Um for now. Yeah, well for now. And I mean who knows what she'll look like in as as an adult, and honestly, I don't care what she looks like as an adult because she's just an awesome little snake. Um how often do you see her? I mean, I <laughs> might see her every other week when I go to feed and she pokes her head out at me. Uh -huh. <laughs> when I when I clean tubs, usually I like, you know, try to poke around and make sure she's still crawling around in there. But, you know, again, I, I, I keep a lot of snakes where basically what I'm keeping is a cage of dirt. And, you know, I'm fine with keeping a cage of dirt. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm, I'm with you, man. I am. Dude, I've been checking that, trying to check that macrolapse at least two to three times a week and not disturb. I believe it's a him. Just by looking at the shed, I believe it's a him. Oh, by the way, it shed once. Yay. Um, and it's funny because I obviously don't want to reach my hands in, contrary to what most Africans do. Um, so I'll just gently press on the soil with a snake hook. And you'll watch the earth move. And I'm like, okay, it's alive. Leave it alone. Yeah, it's alive. <laughs> my, my dirt, my box of dirt is alive. Leave it alone. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I do with the calabars is, you know, I, I'll poke around with the, 
with the hook or yeah, I do it with the pseudaspis too. Yeah. I poke around with the hook a little. And then as soon as I see that, like, you know, here goes the tremor worm. Then yep. I'm like, okay, it's alive. I'm good. <laughs> Don't need to poke around anymore. It's fine. Which species is this Travis? That's the pseudaspis. That's the mole snake. The little baby. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Adorable. She'll go through a radical change when she grows up. Yes. Look at that know, and diesel they, tail. Yeah. They they basically, you know, they'll lose all that patterning and become very boring. Not boring, just <laughs> boring. Know, monocolored, but you know, they'll we be like have our a solid. Well, the Malpolons are monocolored too. No, mine's got the black saddle on them, and then they change to blue green from out from brown. Yeah, but they they're like blue green. It's just solid blue green, blue, green brown, slate. and black. Okay, fine. <laughs> but again, I need an eight foot cage and I don't have one right now. No, you just need six feet. Don't have one of those either. <laughs> the only Completely. two of those that I have, one of them's disassembled, and then the other one I'm still trying to build up. Completely and they're unre- spoken for when they do get built. <laughs> unrelated, but I did sort of clean up the Jansen I cage yesterday and rearranged a little bit. That looks, looks awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah like $5 from Walmart. Lisa, yes, some are red. Yes, some are red, some are gold, some are some black. Some are brown, some are black. Good thing. Maybe not enough people were breeding them when they were around, and so when they stopped exporting them, they all died out. I Honestly, yeah. I don't think anyone and bred them in the U.S. No, a couple people have. Um, oh, they have? The problem okay. with them seems to be establishing babies. Yeah, really? like they have a stupid number of babies. Like, really? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I heard of one guy. He he bred and he got 120 babies out of his female. Ooh, now I think that. Crap. Yeah, I think that literally is, eat you out of house and home. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing is like he only established like 10 of them. Oh. That's just a huge attrition rate. So there's. So it's like a cockroach. Yeah. Well, or it's just there's something about getting them established. You know, like. I'm, I, I think I don't I don't think they're as babies they're mammal eaters. No, I think they're probably you know probably lizards or something. Probably else. lizard eaters or maybe even bug eaters. Like I could I could seriously see the babies being like you know raiding termite mounds and stuff because sure, they're sure. super super terrestrial. I could just see them burrowing down into a termite mound and feeding on termite mounds. Yeah, termites are a pretty good food source. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know. Are people here going to try feeding their their snakes termites? No, it's not that hard to raise termites. I'm just saying well, it's not. But for herpers, it's not the thing to do because everybody's yeah, just true. so used to the idea of I feed it a pinky. I mean, look at hog nose. You know. Well, I think I'd also be terrified of the termites getting loose. Well. But and you, I know a different you, different type of termite. I know. Yeah, and still. that's the thing is you, know, you got it's different types hard of termites to termite proof things. Yeah. Um. You know, there but it goes. Like, it's it's just the way it works with these things. Sometimes you've just got to find something that's real, real different to start the babies on until they establish and grow up. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa has another question. Are they like Amazon's? A litter slash clutch will be super variable. Uh, I I don't know without having done it myself. Um, I'm not most sure either. Of the, most of the like clutch pictures that I have seen, 
again, it's only like, you know, a handful of little babies instead of showing the whole huge clutch. And they've all been fairly consistent. You know, they've like got I, that spottedness to them. I feel like the color varies by the population. Kind of like Scaphiophis from what I remember, too. Yeah. Yeah, I have um in Johan Morer's most recent version of his book, which I think is volume three. I just got it. And it has like four or five different neonate phenotypes. So actually, let me go. Let me grab it if I can. Phil runs away. Nothing new there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they're they're just a an odd little snake and. They're all over the place. But are there other species in that book that they didn't mention in the first one? Oh, I'm sure there are. I can't that's even remember everything that's in the first no. one. But which one? In the the first one or the second one, is there anything that stood out to you from the first one that wasn't in there? I mean, I I haven't gotten all the way through it, but like I, once upon a time, I I was really interested in the idea of keeping Rabdophis. But having mm -hmm. just flipped through the Rabdophis section, I don't know that I want to keep Rabdophis anymore. Because like, when when you see this, and the guy just bled and bled and bled until he died, yeah, that that all of a sudden makes me not want to keep Rabdophis anymore. Even though they're beautiful, beautiful animals, they are. But it's <laughs> it's so wild to me that those used to be. Like those used to be sold in pet stores and stuff over. Yeah, I mean they were basically they treated like garter snakes. Yeah, and then... big mistake. People yeah, started dying. Big mistake. Like, Wait a second. Someone said, um, "Hold up." That reminds me of the guy who was like free handling his Androctonus scorpion at a reptile expo, and I nearly just passed out on the spot. <laughs> yeah, There's got, something about super Phil's happy little telescopus in here. What's that? Makes people dumb. They've got <laughs> telescopists. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, I mean, they they just they've got all kinds of stuff, like even things that you wouldn't think of. They've got Nerodia in here. Really? Oh. Mm -hmm. Now, it, it's not like you know, oh my god, the Nerodia are going to kill you, but you know, Nerodia do have apparently some degree of compounds in their ven in their saliva that can induce increase. So here's a typical adult. Yeah. And then here is the uh, a modeled adult that I thought I was, when I saw this, I was shocked. Oh. Steak knife teeth. Oh, God, right. yes. They have some crazy teeth. Another snake not to carelessly handle. Yes. Not be not because they have any venomous capacity. They're like kukris. They'll punish their, you. Yeah, their, their teeth are their teeth are designed to cause damage. Um, and part of that, they think, is as uh, a male combat thing the males will bite each other's tails and essentially render their opponents sterile by 
tearing apart the hemipene. Wow. And the males actually have, I mean, both sexes have gnarly teeth, but the males are larger. And they believe that that's a sexual selection thing with them. Uh, Kukri snakes do the same thing. The males, they will, when they combat, they go for each other's tails. And so when you see them in the wild and you know, you'll see it in the imports too, the females tails will be all messed up because the females don't care if they're being bitten along the tail in territorial dispute, because they're not going to have damaged hemipenes, but mm -hmm. the males, the males will try to flee each other so that they're not getting their hemipenes damaged from those nasty, nasty teeth. So that, that was the other funny thing about this. Florida operate the same way. Yeah. The, the other funny thing I found about this book is like, you know, a lot of the species in here, like the Ramphiophis has only got a page or so. There are seven pages dedicated to kukri in here. Again, really? not because <laughs> kukris are, are venomous to any capacity, but because they are so notorious for bites that they just go into all this detail discussing, you know, the nature of their rear fangs and how they use them and how they bite and how they'll, you know, do the toad vivisection and the scavenging on other animals and stuff. Very cool little snakes, but yeah, punishing. Yeah. Don't yeah. be stupid around them. And you were saying that the canna is the ones that, that also do that tail destruction in male combat. Yeah, that was, that wow. was, that's part of the reason that they, um, they see, they believe that there's the dimorphism in the, the teeth, the the male. I mean, like I said, both of them have both sexes have really gnarly teeth, but in males, the teeth are about thirty to forty percent larger than they are wow. in females. And they and that's, that's behaviorally, they see that the males go after each other towards the the tail and the vent, and they it's a manner of combating where you're trying to render your opponent sterile by biting him and damaging his hemipenes. Get That's the competition wild, out any kind of right. way. Yeah. And, and, and they have such a giant on. tail, too. Yeah. And Probably yes, KC, the bite from a kukri is exceedingly painful. And yeah, exceedingly, exceedingly violent. Remember the kukri bite challenge I was going around for a really short period of time? I don't. The dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> People found out real fast. Yeah, Travis was, was a part of that challenge, and he didn't even know it. I, it was very much an accidental. Participant. <laughs> yeah, very much accidental. I have never intentionally allowed myself to be bitten. You sent like pictures or video or something once, and it was just a bloodbath. Yeah, no, I. I mean, I I own that I have been nailed by my animals on numerous occasions, and it's. It's always been my own fucking stupidity. Uh, here, I'm sending over a picture now that shows a baby straight out of the egg and then the bite that I got from it not 30 seconds after I took the picture of it in my hand. <clears throat> and I remember that picture. Yeah. It's... It came right out of the egg and chose violence. Yeah. At that, and that's what they do. They, like, they, they come out of the egg, gape in their mouth at you because they <laughs> just... They are all attitude. Um, wow. And when they bite, they like, they spin and they twist because they want to cause as much damage they as possible. They want you to not want to pick them up ever again. Yeah. yeah. And open their move. So yeah, that, that little teeny tiny thing 
wow. cut across the entirety of my finger. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But gorgeous. Yep, they are. And the best name ever for obvious reasons. Yes. And my girl is nesting again right now, so I'll have a whole bunch more of these little stabby mouth bastards because <laughs> I am a glutton for punishment. How many do you have currently? Did you hold, uh, did right you hold now on I any have... of those babies? Hmm? Did you hold on to any of those babies? I held on to one of the red babies. I'm kind of regretting that I didn't hold on to more. Uh, right now, I just have uh, 1.2. Uh, one of my wild-caught females passed. And I got rid of all the other red and brown babies for the last couple of years. Um, so I've got my original wild-caught female. Like I said, she's the one who's nesting right now. Um, a red female from my red by brown breeding. And then a wild-caught brown male. Um, so I'll probably hold on to some Everything. of these browns that are coming in. I may try and hunt down a few more of the perps and then I just dropped a little bit of stupid money on another <laughs> species that my fault. Oh yeah. I, well, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad you guys pointed it out to me, but I mean, sliding I sliding the link over like, Hey, <laughs> ever, ever since I had seen that species, I wanted to get a hold of it. So the fact and that it, there are some coming in, I had to. Yeah, and I remembered, I was like, oh, hey, Travis. <laughs> and yes, I know to someone Lisa. who would love to bleed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Lisa. Those they're the ones that will they will slide they will cut open the toad and then eat out the internals of the toad. Um Crazy. And that the paper that described that described it as a new behavior, but it actually isn't a new behavior because I have papers from like two decades ago where a keeper described his animal doing that to a mouse. He fed it a mouse that was too large and it just went for the guts of the mouse and completely cored out the inside of the mouse and left the little body behind. That's wild, man wild um and there are reports of them in the wild you know basically scavenging roadkill and stuff and i'm sure they're doing the same thing they just cut them open on the the bank the belly and the flanks and they eat out the organs and just leave the body behind because the organs are a real quick easy meal yeah i don't know that there's a more hardcore group of snakes out there in terms of just overall savagery yeah no, they're vicious <laughs> I feel like have, they're the have I told the story the about the turtle ones? Huh? No. Have I told you the story about the turtle ones? No. Okay, so there's there's a population um, on an island where turtles nest, sea turtles, and when the sea turtles come ashore to nest and start digging, the kookaroos will come out of the bushes and drop into the nest with the eggs and get buried with the eggs. And then they'll just burrow around in the nest and eat eggs the whole time they're down there. And they will they will battle over nests to like basically maintain the nest as their territory. I wonder if that counts as kleptoparasitism. Wow. You know, I because, I would think that it would. Yeah, because some beetles do that with uh, solitary bees. They just 
grab onto the adult bee when she goes to pollinate a flower, hitches a ride to her um, nest chamber because the solitary ones dig like one chamber at a time, lay one egg, one egg, and like provision it with food. And then they just eat the larva and all the food that's in there. Wow. That's wild, man. A bunch of bums. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy behaviors. But, you know, again, this is, this is the thing. These these weird-ass, obscure species do the strangest shit, which makes them really damn cool. Yeah. And, absolutely. you know, nobody really knows about it. And then, you know, people like us get into them, and then we start talking about them because we find they're really cool, and then everybody Nerds. else wants to get in on it. And now I – that's why I, like – constantly remind people about just how violent and horrible these things are to keep <laughs> and how how much blood you will shed because i want to make sure that people don't keep picking them up because then they're taking them away from me and god damn it i don't want them to take them away from me they're mine <laughs> well it's also like you you hear about certain people um for example connor wardle was just on uh colubra colubroid right talking about whip snakes and coach whips and stuff and these obscure species are so fascinating and so awesome to keep, but people don't realize how, what's entailed. And I'm, yeah. I almost, I'm, I'm really grateful that the majority of my collection is dare I say easy and, and like worry free because I'm constantly hovering and trying new things with the fossorial stuff. And it's like, I, I almost care more about these tubs of dirt than I do the rest of the collection because I don't have to worry about the rest of the collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and Connor, you know, like he made really great um, points about you know the whip tails and stuff. Like I, I, I see so many people trying to keep coach whips, and it it, it breaks my heart because coach whips are another one of those species. Like they they they. You just you see them bash their faces to death and just get smashed up because they're so active mm -hmm. and they can be so high strung and you really need to devote the time and the effort into them. And, you know, like he he does that. But most of the people who do it, they just see this beautiful pink and black snake. And that's all they care about is that it's a beautiful pink and black snake and they just want to have right. it for that. You know, they and want it for the the likes and that's yeah. not that's not the kind of snake that you do that with. And you need depressing. to devote time and energy into giving that snake the space that it needs so that it can move and that it can see and that it can crawl and hunt and be its full active self it's depressing and i remember like you said the pink and black coach whip i've seen that snake bounce around through different owners throughout the years before it got exported across to europe I know that one snake and I know who first kept it. And it's, it's sad because these people just don't realize how much effort it takes. Like Travis pointed out. And that applies also to the Malpolon, to the beaked snakes, all these pretty large, active, intelligent snakes. Yeah. And they also like, if they don't, get killed off immediately by bashing their faces, infections recurring. They also get fed way too much, but they're kept too cold to digest properly. And you just get like a whole mess recipe yeah. for, for disappointment. Yeah. Very well, big disappointment. Even if you keep them warm enough, they get fed way too much because like I have seen so many fat 
beaked snakes. I mean, I've had like, to diet so many beaked snakes. Yeah, but, I mean, I've yeah. had so many you've, fat you've shown me some of yours. Like, die. These snakes should not have double and triple chins. They should be thin, lightweight, fast moving snakes. And you see these snakes that are just like sausages, sausages ready to explode. And it, it's, it's sad because these snakes should not look like that. I mean, you, if you look up pictures of these snakes on iNaturalist and stuff, or find videos of guys out field herping, they're, like I said, they're, I don't want to say shoelaces, but they're thin and they move, you know, oh, and yeah. these big fat things that people have, you know, they're like, <clears throat> they're not moving like a normal snake. They just, they look horrible and it's depressing to see that. Oh, yeah. um, I see that in a lot of, like a lot of the kukris groups, all of them have got these like that they've basically looked like that the pinhead syndrome you see in ball pythons where they overfeed the python and its head is just teeny tiny. You know, the snake doesn't have a neck. It's just this giant fat obese thing. And that's right. not how it should be. It's yeah. horrible. I sent a picture to um Smitty just now of one of my adult females that I received and she and the male were incredibly obese. That's her like just right out of quarantine and that was at least five months after i first got her and she still was fat she was fatter than in that picture wow and the hard part is when you're having them lose that weight and you want them to maintain a healthy weight it can be a really delicate balance because sometimes they can crash really hard and die from losing mm-hmm. all that weight but also having to recover it's from a it major adjustment. because the fat is crushing their organs when you see them at that point it's already bad because the way snakes pack fat in their body it starts in the body cavity so when it becomes mm-hmm. outwardly obvious you're already at a bad point yeah you're gonna have to struggle to get that weight off and and i can attest to the problems That's the that pinhead syndrome i am um... I mean, I had uh, my Dasipeltis, my egg eater, and I seasonally fed her. So like half a year, she wasn't eating. And when she passed, I did a necro on her and her entire liver was fat. And I... Fatty liver disease. Yeah, I really was angry at myself upon seeing that because like she did not look fat but as soon as i saw that in there i just i was kicking myself over the fact that i even though i was you know seasonally feeding her i was still feeding her too much in those six months Mm -hmm. and it just it really really hurt me to know that i had done that to her Um, it's it's one of the more difficult things about the hobby is keeping that healthy balance just because it's it's hard. It's hard to tell how a snake is obese because a lot of overweight and obese snakes are so normalized within the hobby. Sometimes we forget what they're supposed to look like. Right. Yeah, and that's like, I, you know, the corn snake groups are a pretty good example of this. I just, as much entertainment as I got out of you know, one in particular, I ended up leaving it last night just because it's like, this is just getting too much. Huh? But like, you have people that, that 
will absolutely crucify a newer person for having a red bulb on top of their tank or Aspen or not having enough clutter, not having five hides, not having like, but then someone posts, you know, a picture of a corn that's clearly looks like it's about to pop. And everyone's like, no, body tone looks great. Looks perfect. Looks fine. Yeah, and I just it's, like it's got the vestigial guys, hips. Like, are you, like, are you, <laughs> it gained back its hips. Yeah, you fucking high. Like, are you not seeing what I'm seeing? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this snake is done. Put it on a diet all you want. This thing's past the point of of saving it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like yeah. you put a red bulb on a tank, and everyone automatically says, "Oh my god, you're the worst." But that's completely okay. Yeah. It, it's just it's wild like some of the stuff that that you see in some of those groups and it's it's why i talk about it all the time like groups are not most of them are not great a lot of them aren't are just uh-huh. absolute cesspools that are just echo chambers like nothing good comes of them and then like nicole was saying i you know i completely agree the obesity thing in animals is is pretty rampant and it is at that point where it's like if they look even if they look like they're they might be on the thinner side they're probably exactly where they need to be yeah the best thing i've found personally for myself was going to look at wild representatives of those species and kind of look to see the more healthy sort of representatives and mm-hmm. see like okay i gotta keep this in mind when i look at my own animals and sort of aim for that kind of body condition yeah yeah loving it to death it even yeah. happens to dogs cats etc mm-hmm. anything we keep i mean especially you see it even even more so with your your more sedentary stuff um chondros are a really easy one to get Kenyan sand boas yeah they're they're all like Chondros especially. I've seen some some really fat chondros. I have some that are that are heavier than I'd like them to be, but uh, it's just it takes so little to get them too big, and it takes a lot of work to get them back down to size if you can even fully get them back to what would be considered you know normal uh-huh. or or in that parameters of of healthy. You know. Yeah. Jason, I thought. It would be difficult to obesify a tortoise, and yet someone in the comments is saying, "Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. That's so yeah. sad." Yeah, when they got uh, fat, it's especially hard out their back legs. Oh yeah, and it's just, I think it's especially hard when it is a heavier bodied species, like you know whether it be blood pythons or some of the bitish like gaboons and rhinos and puffs. You know, and we we feed it a rat once a week and. It's like, oh, it's always fat. It's a fat species. It's like, no, it has mass. You know, it has mass. It has fat. It retains feces, but it should not be eating a five foot snake of that size should not be eating a large rat once a week. It should once a week. It's way too much. And they're not supposed to look like tubes. You got to see that. (laughs) I'd be hard pressed to give it one every other month. Yeah. Yep. So like on my big. Go ahead. I was gonna say on my, on my big bitus, I don't feed anything larger than a lar- than a small rat, and that's usually like once a month, if that depending on the time of the year. Mm-hmm. So even with the chondros, man, even on the feeding schedule that I have them on, which is almost no schedule at all. Like if I, you know, I'm, I'm now that I have the rat pups and stuff, I am starting to feed them a little more regularly. But 
if I can't remember the last time I fed them, they're probably due. But even then doing that, you know, I have some that are a little on the chunky side, but the other ones, yeah. they're like exactly where I want them to be, you know? And so it's True. like when you're dealing with an animal that has probably as close to no metabolism as it gets, um, it takes very little to just get so much so much weight and stuff on them. And then I found that with Cresteds too, man, like getting them fat is really yeah. easy. Getting them to lose weight is very hard because you, you barring just flat out starving them indefinitely. Like it's really hard to, to figure out a way to do that to where you're doing it in a healthy way. Yeah. Cause you, you don't want to shock their system just right. by suddenly starving them. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta take them down slowly. Yep. And that's again another hard thing that people just don't they don't know how to do. Yep. Brandon saying there's a ball python sized pygmy python on morph market right now. I know exactly which one you're talking about and I hate it. I hate it. I hate seeing <laughs> fat anteresia so much. <laughs> people tell me your children's pythons are too small and I'm like that's because they're not fat. <laughs> they don't got the canyon spine. They actually have like a smooth tail, they don't have hips, and I'm like screaming forever. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm bummed. I'm like you got the world's smallest python, or one of the smallest, <laughs> and you made it fat. Congratulations, you failed. <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, an episode that Mutton did back in the um, Herp Nation Radio. Herp Talk, or yeah, Herp Nation Radio. Yeah, and he did one with Vin Rousseau on boas, and I, I don't think. I don't think it's around anymore. I don't think you can find it, but it was, it was awesome because Vin talks about with boas. He only fed his, I want to say like three months out of the year. Mm-hmm. He's like, it was, it was some of the insular much, species, much more in line with how they're actually eating. And he's like having better results in terms of breeding and litters and, and things like that. And, you know, I feel like that's, that can be the case with a lot of species, not just boas. It's just yeah. whatever we think, is a healthy weight i feel like we could dial that back by a decent margin and that be where things probably need to be yeah well it's going back to what nicole said about you know getting a look at these species as they actually are in the wild um you you, when you hear eric talk about you know like he doesn't he never really understood the animals until he saw them in the wild at yeah. Australia. Now he's thinking more environment and stuff, but I'm sure if you pointed out to him, like, what's the body condition of those snakes look like? And when you look at your own animals, do you reassess, hey shit, maybe I need to be feeding different? Now, I know Eric probably isn't one of those people because we all know that Eric would get made fun of because his animals were always like small. And right, right. what what the reality was was that Eric's animals were pretty much the way they should be in the wild, and it's everybody else that you know was breaking their snakes by feeding the ever loving hell out of them. Yeah, that measuring sure. stick has been warped. Yeah, and and the yeah. thing like everybody's like, well, yeah, but I I can't necessarily afford to go to Australia or I can't go to the Veld in Africa stuff, you know. Okay, yeah, maybe you can't, but you know what you can do? You can get your ass onto iNaturalist. Agreed. You know, Agreed. I, I go on iNaturalist all the time to look up the species that I'm interested in just because, one, we all like looking at pretty pictures. But Of course. Like, you know, there are like 1,500 pictures of Pseudaspis, mole snakes, yeah. on iNaturalist. And 
I'll I'll just scroll through them just to see. And you can see those snakes, you know, what they should look like. You know, do it for your corn snake. Do it for your pituophis. Do it for your whatever the hell you keep. You know, get a look at what these snakes actually look like in the wild and then go and look at the, that snake that you're keeping in your tub or your cage and really take a look at what you've got and pause for a minute and think, you know, does my snake really look like that wild snake or is my snake maybe packing on the pounds there some a little you know, rotund? Maybe do I need to maybe do I need to slow down, you know? Yeah. And also think about, you know, it I know people poo-poo it a lot, you know, with the whole like enrichment is just for the hobbyists to say they're doing the better thing, but like, you know, diversify your animal's diet. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. That's a type of enrichment that's a a really good thing. And I know that rats are really easy, but you know what else is really easy? Roll your ass over to the international food market and go back to their meat department and pick up a styrofoam tray full of chicken necks and chicken hearts and chicken gizzards and frog legs and a pack of silver sides and a slab of tilapia and just mix it up a little. Quit giving them... Just fatty mice all the damn time. When you order your rodents, you can just add some chickens or quail to your cart. Hamsters yeah. even, gerbils. You know, get, get other pigs. things. I have, most of my collection now isn't eating rodents. Well, most of my non-ball python collection isn't eating rodents. You know, I've got, I have got so many quail and chicks in my freezer. I've got... Like I said, I have trays of chicken hearts and chicken necks. And, you know, I rotate through different things all the time. I put my chicken hearts in the ice cube tray so I can pop them out more easily. (laughs) Oh, damn, that's a good idea. Use the silicon ones. You can just, like, pop them out super easy. That makes it a lot easier than just having to try and chip the damn things off the giant frozen block of chicken hearts. I know, I struggled with that so much. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even using my ice trays. I'm just going to put chicken hearts in it. I can't find chicken hearts here. I've tried. Well, I've come up I, I, I can take you to my place and get you chicken hearts all day long. Chicken. There's necks. a there's a there's a guy Kevin who's an Alapa keeper uh, up in the uh, uh, I want to say like Michigan area or somewhere up there. Forgive me, Kevin, if you're listening. And uh, he's he's keeping drink calls and he's been feeding his salmon fillets. And Dude, those getting the good stuff. And and here's the thing is, I talked to my buddy, might talk to my buddy who works in a major grocery store by me, will remain anonymous. And he's like, Look, man, fish goes bad faster than everything else. And he's like, if it's in the styrofoam tray and it doesn't sell, like we throw that stuff away. And I'm like, Well, it may be bad for a human, but one day isn't gonna hurt uh, in a lap it. Throw it away you know? in my snake cage. Right, exactly. Uh, so it, I'm I'm gonna talk to him about getting some some salmon fillets and freezing them and, and cut them up into little strips, you know, for some of the smaller stuff. Yeah, you always know, for fish though. Do be careful of those preservatives. You can soak them in water for an extra amount of time to try and get some of those out. Yeah, that's kind of what I would look it up a little bit more. Yeah, especially yeah. with saltwater stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and I, know I would I had also a... be cautious with salmon because yeah. salmon is a fatty fish. Oh really? It's good point. Really good point. too good. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's another one that could lead to a fat animal real fast. Well, I also um, uh, like treats. I've had, Use it as treats. Yeah. Right. Again, enrichment and uh, exactly. 
I had a friend locally who did garter snakes and was almost exclusively feeding silver sides and they got really big, really quick and they were healthy looking and they were healthy feeling like, you know, when you palpate them and they died. And when he went up taking it to the vet, the sodium levels of that animal were off the charts because it was just, you have to be careful. It was just nothing but silver sides. And that's what basically they just, I don't know if it was some kind of high blood pressure situation or just overabundance of sodium. But yeah, I mean, everything, everything in moderation, you know, don't, don't make anything a full diet of that stuff, but you know, you mix it up. Like I said, you know, I, sure. I will feed chicken hearts one week. I will feed quail the next week. Then, you know, maybe I'll do a hopper mouse. Then I'll do a frog leg. Then I'll do a silver side. Then, you know, rotate back to chicken hearts, chicken necks or something. You know, the diversity in there keeps it up. You're not cranking them full of fat. You're not cranking them full of, you know, like if you look at a chicken neck, it's mostly bone. You know, so it's a great shot of calcium, but if that's all you're feeding your animal, yeah, you're, you're going to be doing your animal a, a really bad job by just feeding them only that. But, you know, giving them that every once in a while, not a terrible thing. I would really recommend maybe, you know, a chicken neck or two extra for your females at breeding season. Give them a, that extra dose of quick calcium that they can then devote to egg formation. And a but, heart. Few yeah. chicken hearts for that good protein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good protein, low fat. Exactly. It's perfect. It's small yeah. crazy. Uh, Connor must have, his ears must have been ringing because he's in the group chat. <laughs> we were just singing his <laughs> praises. But I was also going to say, that I may be preaching to the choir on this one, but everyone who is feeding these non typical prey items like chicken necks and such, do not cook them first. Don't think that you're doing anything good by like boiling chicken necks or anything because you're going to make those bones rigid and just like a dog eating a cooked chicken bone, you're going to have major issues. So FYI. Got to be raw. Got to be raw. Yeah. The weight thing too, I can see it being a tougher sort of thing for, uh, you know, breeding females. So like pulling the corns and bears and stuff out of cooling to start pairing, you know, looking at them, upon pulling them out and saying like, I really, I don't feel compelled to really beef them up and feed them heavy after coming out of cooling because some of them retained a lot of weight still. And so there's some that I think they've had like two or three meals since I pulled them out. And that's probably all they're going to get before they start going in with males. If I, you know, do give them some, it's going to be something small. Um, but that one is a tough one in that in that regard, um, because it's I mean it's not going to be the same with every species. But in terms of or colluders, even across the tough. individuals, yeah, there's just I pulled some two females in particular that I'm that I'm planning I am pairing. I was just like I'm not going to beef you up because I don't see a need to. Like I feel like where they're at when they come out, and then by the time you know they're gravid, time they lay, they're probably going to be they're going to come out of that looking how they should be looking so to me it doesn't make much sense to to beef them up heavy in anticipation of egg laying when it's likely only going to cause more issues yeah like the fatter the snake is the harder it is going to be on her body when she's making or laying those eggs Mm -hmm. there's like a balance yeah yeah good stuff guys good stuff 
Like those bear drats came out perfect. Those Loma Altas, they lost no weight. They're like exactly where I want them, tone wise. Like perfect. Yeah, Born Connor's saying. Connor's saying his glossies were real thick coming out of brumation, and he doesn't want them to get too fatty and then cause egg laying issues. So, exactly what we're talking about, man. Ooh, and that's crazy. Liver is a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, really soft and, organ. Yes, and I, I I can agree with Lisa boiling the livers to firm them up. Um, I think when Phil was saying, you know, don't go cooking the necks, he was talking about how it it alters the bone when you cook the neck such that it becomes like a splintering hazard the same way. Like you don't give chicken bones to a dog for the same reason. They, they shatter and they splinter. Yeah. So leave the chicken necks, leave really bony things. Like um, I know some people who also feed chicken feet. Don't, don't go boiling and cooking those because that's those, just going to make them, the, those I, bones more dangerous. I tried them and I, I was not a fan. I, I'm not a fan of the feet, mostly because pain, that yeah. that's even more bone than... Yeah, there's nothing to them. It's all skin. It's all yeah, skin and like, tendon and bone. And, yeah. yeah. The and, neck is better, in my opinion. Yeah, the neck yeah. the neck still gives some meat, and again, it's just, it's meat without the fat and stuff that, you know... Yeah, same thing with yeah. frog legs. Frog legs is almost like water. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, they are. Um, and I think where you get the frog legs makes a difference like uh i know like smitty you say you can pick them up at walmart the ones that i get at my uh my international market they're like farmed ones that are completely like they're night and day compared to the ones that you're picking up at walmart they're some of the beefiest looking frog legs i have i don't know man the ones that i've been getting at walmart the last like two times i bought them they were so gigantic i had nothing i could feed them to i had to like cut the meat off of them to feed it like they were so big like even even one would be a decent sized meal for that adult male brettles i had like the size of chihuahuas just it's like insane <laughs> like i remember opening the box what and were like, those frogs eating exactly and i opened the box and i'm like well what the hell is this like mother frogzilla frog, what am i supposed to do with yeah i was like this isn't a frog so <laughs> it's not a frog it ain't. Uh, Kasiki, um, I don't have any box turtles, but most of the times I've heard about turtles picking flesh off of carcasses and stuff, they're not chewing the bone down. They tend to just be picking the flesh off of the bone. So I don't know, but I would imagine that if you're getting splintered bone fragments into a turtle's gut, it would potentially be problematic too, like little tiny shark oh, yeah. toothpicks. Mm -hmm. So I, I would be careful with it. Um, you know, if you're feeding the drumstick to a larger animal like Python, again, I wouldn't cook it. I'd just give it to them raw and they'll digest the bone up the same way they would with the chicken neck or anything. Yeah. We've given a, a whole chicken wings to pond turtles and they'll literally sit there at the bottom of the water enclosure, the bottom of the water, and they'll hold the, the joint and they'll pick out like the mesentery and the sinew out of the joint of the of the wing and eat the joint out and then they'll eat the meat around the actual bone underwater it's pretty crazy but again this is raw so yeah yeah gnaw on them. yeah that i i'm sure they'll gnaw on the bones but i don't think they're actually eating the bone they're just like gnawing 
all of the good stuff off of the bone. Yeah. Yeah. Wild man. Love it all. Love it all. Well, kids, we're at that two hour and 15 mark. Oh, wow. Is there anything else we want to cover? I mean, I'm sure I know, we right? probably Nicole, cover Flesner, all kinds fun. of ground. We've, we've, we've only just <laughs> yeah. covered, you know, 17 different things. Let's, let's find 17 more, but <laughs> I also have to pee up in five hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sleep's overrated. It's my Friday. I can stay up forever. Nice, nice. Ouch. <laughs> I don't want that in. <laughs> but it's only 8 p.m. on my side. Oh, that's right. She's in the past. Yeah, she, she no, she's in the yeah, she's in the past. She's in the past. We're in the, We're future. In the future. It's crazy. Future men. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, well, Smitty, closing remarks. Um Ganya somewhere awesome. That is all. Word. <laughs> Completely unrelated, but these percentum are freaking awesome. They're growing like weeds. I'm interested to see how those go for you. Fingers crossed. Yeah, the female's not not horrible. The male is fairly nightmarish in terms of his <laughs> overall attitude. <laughs> so, but they're out and about a lot. Female just shed. She looks really good. They're eating like champs. So, on a on a good track with them. Uh, Mike, I, I, I did Oreo bottomed chocolate cupcakes this week. I haven't figured out what I'm doing this coming weekend, but oh my, yeah. I've seen lots of pictures of your baking experiment. Yeah, if you, fo- if, you fo- if you follow me on Instagram, you get to see it every week. Which is what <laughs> my Instagram is snakes underscore n underscore bakes. You can also f- find it on my Facebook because it cross posts over there. Yes. Nicole, are you on Instagram? Um, my account is there. I uninstalled the app because I just couldn't handle all those ads. They were driving me nuts. Yeah, it's getting rough. It's it's obnoxious. Although the the, the extension that blocks them on Chrome is helpful. Yeah, I can access it on desktop, and I also have the ad block. I'm glad it's working out for you. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, every once in a while something sneaks through. Like I guess they'll update their algorithms every now and then but yes it's like a constant fight <laughs> it, it it tends to be pretty good so yeah I, I i go through instagram on my computer most of the time mm-hmm. and see me i'm just shopping <laughs> <laughs> shopping where on instagram it's amazing oh my god they Why show me instagram? everything i didn't know i needed no I can stop read feeding the algorithm but, stop, but they, stop. They, they, they they show you all kinds of crazy shit like like shit that I don't know why they decided to show me this stuff. Like the well, ass I mean, pillow. It's... Like yeah, yeah. That a pillow shaped like somebody's ass. Really? Yeah. And why are you showing me yeah. this? Because no. Well, <laughs> as much as I as much as I loathe Big Brother listening to every word I say next to my phone, it is pretty cool when me and my coworker are talking about, you know, UVB bulbs and then it starts sending me all these crazy light fixture like advertisements. Like and and they don't like the out the go to your settings and turn those things off. <laughs> yeah, like obviously Big Brother doesn't realize when I'm talking about reptiles and stuff per se. But if I like we're talking about UV index uh, measurements and like UV index readers, and I was this is literally on a cigarette break at work today, 
and then I hop on Instagram and I start scrolling and it's like all these crazy light bulb fixtures and like dimmers and Bluetooth this and Wi-Fi that. And it's cool. And I was looking at a couple of them. So it's helpful to a certain Oh my degree. God, you're feeding it. I am. <laughs> it's growing. Yeah. And then my coworker made the tragic mistake of telling me about the, the shop app. Don't. Which is, no, don't click which on is, it. Which is basically, uh, for those of you who are unaware, it's basically another way to pay, kind of like Apple Pay or PayPal. But Don't do it. the companies that use it offer discounts of their merch on the app, and then you gain money to use on the app from your purchases, which is oh. friggin' cool. Stop. Stop. Sounds like a nightmare. We are talking about Ponzi schemes and Phil's yeah, into one. Look, I, I've saved a boatload of money buying crap that I would if That's normally. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> well, I get two options. Buy it through the app and save 20 bucks and no. or get free shipping or pay full price on the website. You're making Zuckerberg a very happy man. Yeah. I want to give Zuckerberg nightmares. <laughs> Keep looking up That's why any meat. any ads that I get on Facebook or anything, I automatically <laughs> tell them they're irrelevant. Even if it's the shit that it overhears me talking about, it's like, nope, that's irrelevant to me. Wait, I the... want them to have a nervous breakdown. That's why I'm sure that I get some of the weird shit that I get. They're like, we don't know what else to offer him. Well, offer him, offer him this for God's sake. It's the only thing we haven't tried. Nice. No, nice. you're just training the algorithm. Like I said, ev Here's everything is irrelevant to I me. So as long as everything is irrelevant, that <laughs> they're never gonna catch me. <laughs> oh my god. Yep, they're listening. I think we've all got microchips implanted in us already. Okay, we're not that far yet. <laughs> I don't know. We're all we're did, living in a simulation, so I did wake up with a barcode on my neck. I don't know if that was normal. <laughs> You're like, hmm, what's this new test? The vet was hmm. scanning my dog, and then all of a sudden I popped up on the <laughs> leader. So. Nice, nice. So I don't uh, remember getting geez. that. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out Facebook, Instagram. Whether you like cages, there's cage options. If you like racks, there's rack options. If you like both, get both. Use the discount code THN to check out. Uh, shave a little bit off the top of your order, save a few bucks. Um, fastest so they, turnaround time in the business. That's right, and we the best we shipping. Have, we have cord protectors too. So you know how surely you all have heat panels in your in some of your cages, and you have those couple animals that just constantly unplug it from the actual panel itself. Well, worry not, because now you can get a cord protector that stops your animal from being able to do that. My Jansenai's heat panel's been unplugged for months. Haven't even bothered plugging it back in. It's just been sitting there unplugged because every time I plug it back in, the next day, it's out. So Cord surfer. That's right. And the Chondros, they think that it's like the perfect perch in the, in the house. And lo and behold, they unplug it and fall. It's their version of a hammock. Yeah, I guess you so. Ever, you ever wonder if they can feel the current in the cord and that's what they're drawn to? I don't think so. I think for Chondros, it's like... The thinnest perch they, they could they would perch on nothing if they could. The thinnest perch possible is what they want. You have one. What are you unpacking? 
I yeah, you have those. Of something like that too. You, you do is, like you do one of these every six inches, and nobody's unplugging shit. But this is a literal housing that you put over that cord as it comes out of the heat panel, and it stops them from being able to play that game. Well, that works too, I suppose. But you know, I've got my bags of these. So, so everyone, check that out: Facebook, Instagram, BlackboxCages.com, Pewter Sound Pythons. Check them out as well: Facebook and Instagram. Uh, check their morph market. I think they have some stuff up for grabs. Uh, we'll be back for THP on Thursday. I think I don't know exactly what the plan is. I know we're this week is our five year anniversary. Wow! So we've done no planning as far as anything with that, but <laughs> in typical fashion, five years of having zero planning. Uh, it just fits. So, thank you all. We'll see you all later. Catch you later. Good night. Bye.